welcome back to I Did This Instead of Killing Myself, everyone. A stand-up comedy lifestyle podcast that I host out of my apartment based in Greenville, South Carolina. It is the first week of November. I hope you are having a great start to your Monday morning. I'm going to get right into today's guest because today is a is a jam-packed um, interview and a very um, uh, a prolific guest. Uh, we set the record in terms of the interview length. This is a this is a Joe Rogan interview lengthwise. Uh, Todd A. Davis. He now holds the record. We we talked for three hours, and uh, Adam Schulte, you'll have to beat it next time. Um, but uh, yes, Todd A. Davis is my guest today, and um, I really, really enjoyed our conversation. I know three hours is a long time, but if you have time, just just put it on and listen to the guy talk because um, really appreciated um, all of Todd's perspective. So a little background about Todd. Um, he is a stand-up comedian. Um, he also is a writer. He also... Uh, produces shows, hosts shows, writes comic books. Um, he does podcasts. Um, he does. Uh, he's formerly a uh, a sports writer for a local high school sports team. Um, he does it all. He does it all. So um, before we get into that, I want to quick shout out Todd's two podcasts um, because uh, they're fantastic. Also, Todd makes t-shirts. I'm wearing one of his t-shirts. So, Mr. Todd A. Davis, toddadaviscomedy.com. So, be sure to follow Todd on Instagram. So, this is the t-shirt he graciously gave me. Um, but his two podcasts that he's doing right now, um, the first one is uh, he is a co-host on the Cinema Shock podcast, where he and two co-hosts explore the history of cult and genre films. Uh, I'm a huge movie guy, and... Um, yeah, it's uh, the the stories they're covering lately are uh, the stories behind the the director of RoboCop, Total Recall, and Showgirls, and they're um, on a series now about the Wachowski brothers and the Matrix movies. So, Cinema Shock podcast that'll be linked in the uh, description below, um, and he also produces and hosts the Computer Resume podcast, which is uh, he uh, graciously gave me this. Uh, sticker here their their beautifully designed logo you can tell he's artistic man very good um, and this is a podcast that chronologically covers the entire Star Trek franchise from beginning to end and um, I am not a diehard Star Trek guy but it is accessible to people that are new to Star Trek or people that are obsessed with the show um, he also does comic book brunch uh, you can follow that on Instagram where he and his wife cover comic books every Sunday while they eat brunch. Uh, and he recently finished his first screenplay. So is that enough stuff? I'm exhausted just describing all of that. But I'm so uh, excited and I had a great time talking about all of this. On a personal level, Todd and I met uh, when I started doing stand-up comedy. And I had no idea what the hell I was doing. And I remember one night at Radio Room, I was going up and I actually offended somebody in the audience. And she was telling me why she thought I was a horrible person. And Todd overheard. <laughs> and he uh, he took me aside, gave me some advice, some constructive criticism and, and helped. And, and he's uh, he's taken a little bit of a break from stand-up recently, but he is that person Um 
you know, very much helpful to encouraging new stand-up comics, um, offering his advice openly. Um, so yeah, big fan of Todd. Sorry to go on about the intro, but I wanted to make sure I, 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 I talked a little bit about him and, and said like, it's worth listening. I know it's a long, I know it's a long interview. So, um, a lot of you guys may not have, have, uh, time to listen to it all in one sitting, but I encourage you guys to listen to it. Check out Todd's stuff. He's awesome. All right. So before we get into the interview, though, here's what's going on this week in local comedy. First week of November. Um, beginning tonight, we have our open mics, uh, Coffee Underground, hosted by Craig Holcomb, Travis Thubbin, No Expectations Comedy, beginning at 7 o'clock. Get there a little bit early. No cover. Immediately following that, we have All Jokes Aside uh, at Habiba's Mediterranean Restaurant, hosted by Dante Anderson. A little different this month. Um Dante is actually putting on a comedy contest every Monday um, where still no cover, but comic still no cover for audience members, but comics will have the ability to um, win money based on their performance. And then we're going to have some raffles as well as a part of that. So Habiba is picking up a little bit, uh, continue to come out, comics come out, do your best stuff, win a little, win a little cash. Um, Tuesday, Electric City, Electric City Comedy in Anderson, uh, Doolittles, hosted by Robin Scott. This week, we have a very special feature comedian, Dwayne Duke, driving in all the way from Cleveland. So um, come on out to, uh, to Anderson. Wednesday, we have the Radio Room Open Mic, hosted by Adam Schulte. Uh, that starts at 8 o'clock, no cover. Get there a little bit early to get on the list. Um, and then Thursday, jokes out loud at the Comedy Zone, um, eight o'clock, ten dollar cover, um, and uh, come on out. I will actually be there this week. I can't wait to be back at Comedy Zone performing um, on a Thursday. Should be a blast. So uh, that's it for local comedy. Hope you all have a fantastic week, and I hope you enjoy my interview with Mr. Todd A. Davis. Here it is. Okay, here we go. This is it. Todd, we're on. You know, fantastic intro, sir. You, well, you, here we go. You know, we're on. I saw, <laughs> I saw a flip switch. I know performer Todd when I see him. <laughs> I know. You saw, you saw it come oh, on. Yeah. The little red light, Boop. dude. Oh, okay, we're rolling. <laughs> yes, there's something theatrical yeah. and very joyful about uh, your energy. I yeah, I try to. Well, and. I think I've seen that. Well, you've been you've been around in our scene here in Greenville long enough to see everyone perform and to see where everybody's skill set originates from. Yep. Um, Christina Christina Yassi. Yeah. She clearly an actress. I she and you are similar. You remind. Did you guys both go to Bob Jones? We did. <laughs> Maybe. The very first time I saw her, I approached her after the show at uh, at Comedy Zone. Uh-huh. And I went up to her and I said, my father graduated with his Master's of Divinity. I went there from kindergarten through eighth grade. Yep. And like, as I was talking, her eyes were getting bigger and bigger. And I went, yeah. we're going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> and we gave each other a big hug. <laughs> so, you, so you knew that just based on her material and like, well, how she performed maybe? Yeah, a little bit. You know, I could, t- I could, we can smell our own. Um, <laughs> not to say Christina smells, <laughs> but, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, there's a certain type of energy of people who've been through the same, yeah. who've been through the same set of circumstances. For sure. And uh, for her, you know, coming out of Bob Jones, I was like, oh, one of us. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so she and I became fast friends. And uh, but yeah, the skill set thing, like she clearly approaches things like an actress would. Mm-hmm. Um, I studied a little bit of acting, not to the degree that Christina did. Yeah. But I got into comedy through writing. Okay. Um, and so I think my skill set tends to show the hand that I'm a writer. Right. Um, and then performer, because I do tend to walk around the stage. Sure. Uh, I use a little bit of physicality. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever physicality, physicality my gut allows me to use. Right. Um, some voice stuff. I've been known to sing a couple yeah. times. Yeah. And yeah, I just try to use every tool, mm-hmm. every tool at my disposal. I remember the first time I saw Yasi on stage really quick on this. Cause I just remember. Yeah. It was so funny. Cause I know every guy comic in the entire room was like, if they weren't paying attention, like what? Like, cause not only her performance, she's cute. Right. Yeah. And she just lovely. Absolutely yeah, lovely. Yeah. And, uh, and I remember being a, but that theatrical part comes through really well. And, and with your bits too. Because my memories of you, the first time I saw you, yeah, I think it was at Radio Room, probably. And uh, and I don't want to like do any of your jokes or spoil any no, of them. It's okay. But <laughs> the thing I think of when I think Todd A. Davis is it, Yeah. Welcome back to Sports Center, Tom. And uh, yeah. that was the bit that really stuck out to me. And you mentioned singing, uh, your Backstreet Boys bit. Yeah, uh, yeah. Where you actually do sing some uh, parody lyrics, I think. Yeah, a little bit, a and, little bit. Yeah, and then you tag it with a, a melody too, which is cool. Yeah, I do. Uh, I also have one where I sang. Uh, I sang a, a Beach Boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have one where I sing beat uh, a Beach Boys tune, and it's a story about actually seeing the Beach Boys perform live uh, on a night I didn't want to be there. It's and that's a fun bit, just because it's such a stereotypical story. And then it turns when I'm just like wishing violence on Cam Newton. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was when you were trying to watch the game. Right? Yeah. I, yeah. I wanted to watch the game. She wanted to go to the show. So we compromised and we were at the, we were at the show. We went to the show. Yeah. That's yeah. She wanted to do. And then uh, there was a TV off to the side. So while in the concert, I'm also watching the game. So right. the, the melody ends up permeating my viewing of this football game. And yeah, and then my inner thoughts about Cam Newton's Super Bowl performance comes out, and uh, uh, yeah, but it, but that's a fun one too. I, I I enjoy those, and I'm trying to, you know, in the pandemic, um, obviously when it initially hit that first wave, I was mm-hmm. just like, all right, well, everything shut down, so let's uh, read some comic books and uh, hang out at home and whatever. And then the, you know, we were kind of over the first wave and then stuff started opening back up. I got back out there. Yeah. Greenville comedy opened up faster than I think most other places in the entire country. Yeah. For better or worse. Yeah. I was going to say for better or worse. Uh, and then I got to, um, the Christmas show, the Christmas mm-hmm. show last year at the flat mm-hmm. and, uh, which is the, the big, Toys for Tot show? The Toys for Tot show. Plug for Adam Schulte. That's yes. an awesome show. Adam Schulte, Stone Grown Comedy runs the flat, and yeah. then the the big one is the Toys for Tots one, right? That's yeah, that's our big show for the year. We we usually try to get a couple of uh, folks who are traveling to come in mm-hmm. and and uh, you know bring the house down, as it were. And uh, Schulte was like, "Hey, you wanna you wanna host? <laughs> yes, of course, I'll host. Do you enjoy hosting? 
I didn't used to, um, but now I, I don't. Right now. I, yeah, I've how, done it a handful of times. Yes, uh, the more you do it, and podcasting will absolutely help with the hosting thing because okay, interesting. I think it's a lot of it's a lot of listening and it's a lot of gauging the room and gauging sure. the vibe and being able to prep for that next beat mm-hmm. of whatever that is, be it another comic or the next question you have sure. or whatever it is. Podcasting absolutely helps folks yeah. who are just dipping because performing and hosting two different ball very games. different. I yeah. know Adam tells me that like when he he hosts a lot, you he know, because he does it at Radio Room and that's his mic and um, yeah. But he he tells me when he goes to rate or Coffee Underground, he's able to just do a set. I could tell it looks like he's maybe having a little more fun. <laughs> he's not having to orchestrate anything. He's right. not having to. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, to me the hardest part about hosting is you're getting like the plane off the ground from nothing. Yeah. So that default energy of an audience is so it's just nothing. It's like it, it's not I mean it's a little awkward. It's like a little bit. People it, aren't naturally in that audience mode it's, yet. It's a first date. Mm-hmm. You're on a first date with the crowd of like, okay, this is me. I went to college in this place and these are the kind of people I've dated and yeah. uh, and oh hey here comes the uh, here comes the appetizer and that's the, right. your first comedian right you know and yeah it's very much like that and if you can if you can navigate that well because you're as the comedian you're kind of the bridge between the acts mm-hmm. so it's kind of your job to um, wherever that comedian's energy is you want to create that step either down or up mm-hmm. or whatever it is because we're just you, even keel yeah or just, just be almost benign and not yeah. taken away from either side of the exactly probably. and then look if they killed don't get up there and do your do your bits yeah keep that energy high okay let's keep it going and yeah. up next is you know and and it's cool if up. i think about like I, I just had this thought but if you think about like the great hosts of all time that i really love like a mm. david letterman or Johnny Carson. Sure. Or I, I like Jimmy Fallon a lot. I think he's very likable and fun. They're not really about themselves so much. Right. I think David Letterman's a very good interviewer. He's very gracious. Oh, I think yeah. Jimmy Fallon. Well, people see, might. Here's the thing about the late night hosts. Um, Fallon specifically is not a comedian. Right. Letter, Letterman's a comedian. Yep. Leno's a comedian. Mm-hmm. Seth Meyers is a comedian. Like. Mm-hmm. A lot of these guys are comedians and you're like, well, Jimmy Fallon did stand up. Yeah, he did. Right. Jimmy Fallon's a song and dance man. Correct. Yeah. He brought his guitar out. Yeah. He's very much, he's, he's a performer and a very gracious performer. So he knows from, from music and from comedy and hell, however long he was on SNL of Mm -hmm. like the give and take sure. of like, okay, this is my minute and I'm going to hit the ball back to you. Now it's you. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, as the host of the tonight show, it's a lot of, Hey, it's you, it's you, mm-hmm. it's you. And it's just fun. Yeah. It's not, you know, yeah. He's there to have fun. Mm-hmm. You and know. He, the joke is he always cracks up more than anybody else in, sure. the, in the scene, which people are like, okay, <laughs> but you know, you can't help, but, but love him for it. So, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, if you listen to comedians in cars, mm-hmm. you know, when he talks, to, when, um, when he talks to, um, Lauren Michaels, mm-hmm. he describes that episode. So on, Jerry and Lauren had a, yeah, Jerry episode. and Lauren. Yeah. Uh, Jerry went, uh, to 30 rock, of course. Uh-huh. And, um, they grabbed a table at the, one of the restaurants there and, 
and talked at length as they do. I'm going to look up we, that one. That one sounds really interesting. Yeah, it's really good because, I mean, it's Lauren Michaels. He's yeah. been responsible for a lot of comedy in pop culture for the last 40 plus years yeah. and worked with legends of the industry, like mm-hmm. living and past. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's a, that's a good one. So what did he have to say about the hosting aspect, though? I, th- I, I kind of cut you off for... Uh, no, it's just that uh, that Jimmy's very gracious. He, he knows how to listen mm-hmm. and... Um, he he's a he's a good he's a good talker and he he was really kind of I feel like he was trying to gauge whether Jerry would be interested in a talk show type thing oh yeah which Jerry shut down immediately of just that's like funny. no no I'm doing this yeah <laughs> 15 minutes that is, that's all I can that handle is so Jerry dude <laughs> I say it like I know Jerry because I obviously don't but I worship him basically but he seems like living, in, in living his twilight legend years he's yeah. like kind of becoming more of a crotchety guy. And the guy, I mean, with this Netflix uh, deal now and the Hulu one, I mean, his net worth is approaching a billion dollars. So of all things I could imagine he'd want to do, a talk show oh, on a no. network no. would be, in, God, in 2021 no. would be, yeah. Well, I think when the show initially appeared, uh, Comedians and Cars, mm-hmm. I think it initially appeared on Crackle. Crackle, it did. And they, they you know, approached him of like, hey, you want to do a show? You pick mm-hmm. whatever it is you want to do. He's like, I want to talk with my friends, drink coffee, and drive old cars. Right, and that's exactly what he did. Yeah, and he probably made money hand over fist doing it. Right, because it's it's what he wanted. Yeah, and uh, he's at he's at the point in his career where he has that luxury, mm-hmm. and it's it's one of the things of he he is a you know thoughts on current Seinfeld aside. You can't deny he found his niche in comedy Mm -hmm. and became a master at it. Yeah. He is the master. He is the living master of the observational style, Mm -hmm. which for young comedians like us, Mm -hmm. we're still very much in the observational phase of our comedic growth. Mm -hmm. Almost every comedian starts off with, well, my family's really weird, or my job's really weird, and what's here's the why. Deal with the, yeah. What's yeah? What's the deal with whatever? And yeah, um, yeah. I really like Jerry's because uh, I've been rewatching some of the Seinfeld old episodes now that it's on Netflix. Yeah. I hope everybody is because I really want <laughs> I really want Seinfeld in the mainstream so people can appreciate, it, especially younger people. I don't, um, I don't think you're going to have to worry about that. Do you think it's that g- much? I think I think well, Seinfeld cemented his place. No, I know, but I want to talk about it again. <laughs> oh, you want to talk about it again? Well, you know, okay. with just in the like, I'm not <laughs> sure. Sure, no, 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 money. I get it. Um, but like, you know how The Office. It's so funny, and I, I think I've mentioned this before, but The Office came on Netflix like 10 years after the final episode aired. People forget oh, yeah. how old The Office was. Yeah. I think it came out in 2003-ish, maybe 2000, maybe 2004 or five. Yeah. And um, my cousin, Caroline, who is 15, can quote every episode. <laughs> she was not even, she was barely born when it was on oh, so wow. you know um stuff like that is cool so do you so, do you fall into the office camp or parks and rec camp office 100 oh, i go i, I go need parks to and i rec. need to watch parks and rec to be fair i don't i haven't like rejected it or out of hand i haven't seen but i, I that's do. all the time we have for tonight <laughs> <laughs> so i know i know enough about so i know leslie nope yeah right? is that's her name yeah and i know ron swanson mm-hmm. i think he's hilarious yeah I think a parody 
conservative in a bureaucracy is a hilarious character idea. That's that's what he does, right? Right. Yeah. It's well, I think I ident- well, I think my wife I think because we've watched it so much, my wife loves Parks and Rec more, but honestly, I think if she were experiencing both at the same time for the first time, I think she would lean more towards the office. Yeah. Because she's worked in an office so much. Sure. With my background, I identify with government work and, right. the, and the weirdos that work there. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Uh, Todd's a paralegal. So that's right up your yeah. alley. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, we'll talk about that. In a I was going to say the office. The reason I think I got into it. This is so silly to say, but I was in high school and I was like, what do I want to do with my life? And I was like, it <laughs> seems like being a businessman at an office. That's what I want to do. This seems like what my future is. Yeah. I, I want to be Jim Halpert. I want to. I want to be hanging out with Dwight and Michael. And I, it was just kind of this. That was my vision of adult of adulting. But, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and maybe I'm I have a fling at the office. And maybe so. Of I, course. I, yeah. This narcissism of just projecting yourself into these characters, but you know. well, they're so iconic yeah. that it's kind of easy for you to sort of project yourself yeah. onto those onto those characters. It's a character that's driven the whole point show. Yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah. Shows good. Yeah. So, and you you think to yourself, I know a Kevin. I know a Creed. Yeah. I know a Michael. Yeah. I know these people. I know a Ryan Howard. Yes. I feel like I can be like Ryan Howard sometimes too. <laughs> He's such a dick that like the, my worst <laughs> thoughts I see in, in him sometimes. I, I got to tell you. BJ Novak has probably one of my favorite one-liners of all time. What? I absolutely love it. And to be honest, sometimes if I'm just doing stuff and it's my mood is just kind of, eh, I'll think of it. And, what is it? And I immediately get a little spike, a little uh, drop of endorphins. Um, he did it on Conan O'Brien okay. years ago. Don't ask me to quote the year or anything. But it's so simple. It's like, why didn't I think of this? <clears throat> Battered women. Sounds delicious. <laughs> Doesn't make it right. I, that's that is so amazing. great. Especially with the delivery, with the just dead stone cold delivery of battered women. I, Sounds delicious. That's great. <laughs> So he, I knew he was a writer. Is he a stand-up too? Has he done stand-up? I think, well, see, that's the thing is, and we're going to get into my podcasting and what I've been doing since the pandemic and everything like that, but I've been feeling like a bit of an imposter because on my show, I introduce myself every episode. I'm your host, writer, comedian, Mr. Todd A. Davis. It's been a while since I've written anything. Uh-huh. It's been a while since I've done stand-up, and I feel like such an imposter. However, stand-up is such a great bridge to anything else. I agree completely. If you want to get into writing uh, in a uh, write in a writer's room for a, for a show, you want to start doing um, screenplays. Yeah, you want to start acting. You want to start hosting. Like all advertising. All of this so let, stuff. Let me, let me ask you this. So yeah. th- I agree that totally, but I want to ask your opinion on like if you're doing stand up yeah. and it's working okay. to the extent that it's supposed to at your level of experience. Sure. You think that translates pretty directly into screenwriting, into other forms of. Well, this goes back to what we were talking about at the top of the show of watching enough stand up, you see everyone's skill set. Mm hmm. You can tell Christina's an act, an actress, mm-hmm. an actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, 
I'm a writer. Mm -hmm. Craig Holcomb yeah. is an improviser. Sure. You know, Schulte's more of a host with a darker, with darker sensibilities. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Brandon Rainwater. Sure. He's the, he's the people pleaser. Like yeah. he's, he's about the people every single yeah. show. People, 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 people. Yeah. Um, you know, all of that stuff, you know, you know, who makes the best show posters. Right. That person's probably great for advertising. Right. All of that stuff. Right. It all it all lends to different skill sets. It's not just going up there, holding the mic, being funny. Yeah, there's, it, there's, it, there's a, a lot. There's to a community. It. And to me, what uh, I think Chris Rock made this point, but there, he said there are no great ignorant comedians. You have to be aware of everything yeah. to be successful, because if you're not, you'll lose people and you won't know why. And then you'll be like, and that happens when you bomb. You're like, well, something wasn't right about something that. yeah something so was off you have to kind of have eyes on all sides of your head in terms of oh yeah the people around you where your weaknesses are what other people are good at well because i was thinking about this actually on the way over here tonight i was like well, you know what am i going to talk about like i have a lot of great things to say about comedy but i haven't done comedy since christmas it's been almost a year and mm -hmm. i was like what's a good comparison i was like well it's kind of like if you break your skateboard but you keep watching different skateboarding trick tutorials mm -hmm. and like, oh, okay, I see how to do it. But, you, but you're not skateboarding. Right. <laughs> you're increasing your brain power, but not putting it into practice. Like sure. I'm still writing. I'm still mm -hmm. writing bits. Yeah. I've written probably good half dozen new bits. Do you got any premises you're working on that you sure. care, care to share? Or uh, I don't want to spoil it if you don't want to. It's a lot of... it's a. It, it's a lot of observational things I've noticed about myself as I get older. Okay. And uh, dealing with things in the pandemic. And I'm actually trying to start breaking away from the observational type stuff, but in a vein of addressing things that are hot topics, you know, dealing with some race, race issues, dealing mm -hmm. with, um, dealing with a lot of my own. <laughs> issues <laughs> um dealing with um i've never really talked about my experience in law enforcement on stage and with, that, is that as a with, paralegal or did you do something else in law enforcement oh i was a cop for i was a i was a cop for the better part of a decade you were a cop yeah i didn't know that yeah well okay let's let's break down todd's resume here <laughs> <laughs> so uh i got into law enforcement age 20 22, 23, something like that. Okay. Um, they were hiring. A buddy of mine was a, uh, was a corporal uh -huh. uh, at Greenville County Detention Center. Okay. County Jail. And he said, I was working at the YMCA at the time. Okay. He goes, you got to be uh, CPR certified to work at the YMCA, don't you? I said, yeah, yeah. He goes, and you've taken like, uh, you've driven the bus for them too. You have to take like a driving course to do that too, don't you? I said, yep. He goes, uh, so you, you've done martial arts for a long, long time, right? And fought a lot of people. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. He goes, and you're pretty good at talking to people, aren't you? It was like, I mean, we're in a conversation right now. Uh -huh. He goes, uh, tell you what, why don't you come downtown and work at the jail? We'll pay you twice as much. Holy Sold. crap. Yeah. I put in my paperwork and I worked there for, I worked there for three years mm -hmm. as a guard and, uh, what was that like, dude? At the jail, are you seeing people coming in and out, like DUIs and stuff? Oh yeah, 
and not, not like permanent inmates. It's ev- kind of the jail is kind of like yeah. So that's so that's a big thing. A lot, a lot of people think jail prison are the same thing. They are not. Mm-hmm. The easiest way I can break that down is jail. You're there for ninety days. Okay. Prison. You're there for ninety years. Right. That's that's <laughs> kind of how it works. Yeah. Um, with uh, with everything that I saw, it was a lot of it was a lot of frequent flyers. It's like oh. Daryl's back in another DUI. Hey, Daryl. He's like, Hey, I'll just let myself into, you know, cell three. Okay. Okay. Otis like, yeah. Um, and stuff like that. But you kind of get a sense of the justice system, like a boots on the ground approach to sure. You're kind of the first stop. Okay. Um, you get to know some of the judges that are out there. You get to know a lot of different agencies because at a County, you're getting all the municipalities. So it's not just Greenville city police. You're getting Greer, you're getting TR, you're getting fountain Inn, you're getting a lot, a lot of, a lot of places. They all come to you with their inmates. If, uh, if they, if their facility, if their jurisdiction doesn't have a jail, right. they bring them to you. Right. And so it was a lot of, um, you know, kids getting caught shoplifting, a lot mm-hmm. of DUIs, but every now and then it's like, Oh, multiple murders. Oh, uh, like holy stuff like that. Yeah. What's the craziest thing? Okay. Are so you able to share, by the way, like craziest? I'll, sh- I'll share as much as is public record. Okay. Um, I met a guy and I'll give you both sides. I'll give you both sides. Yeah. yeah. Three inmates I can think of specifically. Uh, the first inmate was in shoplifting. Um, He'd gotten caught a couple times, so he's uh, so he had gotten uh, charged with habitual offender, which meant he was going down the road. He was going down to prison for not long. I what think. was he stealing? Uh, just uh, like over the counter drugs out of out of a drugstore, you know, uh, big bottles of like aspirin, okay, stuff like that. Probably to make methamphetamine. Meth? Yeah, <laughs> you know, Jesse, I don't, don't want to pin I don't want to pin that on him, but it's like Jesse Pinkman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So anyway, while this guy, while this guy was in there, um, you know, you got nothing but time on your hands. Right. And he would get a staple, uh, a fork, a comb, a pen, like a flex pen. Cause they're not allowed like hard, like a lot of hard objects to, you know, stab people with, uh-huh. um, a pack of M and M's. And he started carving soap. Okay. That was how he passed the time. And I saw a couple of the Works things. of art. Maybe? Yeah. So um, he started fairly simple, like some fairly simple designs, crosses, hearts, that sort uh-huh. of thing. Um, not long before, uh, before he left to go down to prison, uh, he said, hey, Mr. Davis, come up, uh, come up to the cell, which I'm always, uh, why don't you come down to the thing where uh-huh. we're on camera? <laughs> Uh, he's like, no, I got a new carving. I was like, oh, okay. And he had fused a couple of bars together to get a bigger block uh-huh. and had carved a full bust, uh, native American with a wolf's head headdress. Wow. And had colored it. And yeah, using all the tools I just mentioned, using the color from the M and M's bled off into like little soap. Uh, basically watercolor. Yeah. But you get a spoon, a couple drops of water, and your choice of color of M&M, and it'll bleed That sounds water. elaborate. It is, yeah. yeah. You got nothing but time. Would you, did he give it to you, or did he keep it? Um, unfortunately, later that night, 
uh, a different inmate caused some sort of ruckus or whatever it was. And we had to shake down the entire cell, which basically means anything that's been modified in the inmates possession is considered contraband and is immediately thrown away. Oh, and dang. I know it broke his heart. And I saw, uh, cause at one point he, uh, he, he showed me one that he had and it was a cross mm-hmm. with a heart on top of it. I was like, okay. But sitting on top of that was a fully bloomed rose. I was like, that is impressive. Yeah. And then they shook down the cell and the bags of stuff that were coming out of his cell. I was, I snatched him up and was like, uh, you know what? I'll take this out to the dumpster outside. And that went in the back of my car. <laughs> do you still have it? I do. Oh, yeah, that's really cool. So that was inmate number one. Inmate number two, mm-hmm. uh, young guy, 20s, uh, in for, long story short, internet fraud. Okay. Are we allowed to curse on this? Yeah, sure. Okay. Pussy charges. Just real, <laughs> real. Is pussy like, a swear word? I don't know. It's, I don't know what you'll bleep and what you want. I won't bleep like, anything. I, you I don't bleep, bleep anything? No, okay. I bleep stuff on the clips only. But oh, okay. I gave up on that after. Yeah. So anyway, these charges are not big charges. And they're not tough, quote unquote, tough guy charges. Uh-huh. But he was an absolute asshole to, <laughs> to me, to my partner, anybody. who came, It was just an absolute jerk. Mm-hmm. Just an absolute jerk. Um. And he was, you know, quick turnaround, in and out, few, you know, few days, few hours, just right. But an absolute asshole. Enough that here, years down the road, I still think about him of just like, man, what an asshole. Right. Inmate number three. Uh huh. Um, nicest guy, really, really nice guy. Um, we were not on a first name basis because we had our last names on our uniform. Okay. So he knew, but he knew me as Mr. Davis. Mm-hmm. I knew him by his name. Um, you know, whenever I would see him, he'd always ask, Hey, how was your weekend? How are things going? Mm-hmm. Did you, he knew I was a, a movie guy. So he's, you know, Hey, did you see any movies this past weekend? Tell right. me what you, you know, cause right. he's in, cause he's inside. Yeah. Um, finally, I was like, you know what? I talk to this guy all the time. I wonder what he's in for. And looked up his charges. Apparently, he had chopped up a little boy and put him in a duffel bag and tossed him into some weeds and stuff like that. Oh yeah. my god! Yeah, yeah. And then there, and it was the nice guy. That yeah, you- the nicest guy. The nicest guy. Yeah. Holy shit! I went. And sometime later, they were like, hey, uh, Davis, you know that inmate you were talking to the other night? He's like, yeah. They're like, check this out. And they pull up the camera footage where... Where he did it? No, no, no. Camera footage from inside his cell where he had gotten into a little back and forth with another inmate. The inmate went to the call box. There's a call box that if you hit the button, there's a little speaker, but it goes to the main control room and there's an officer there. You can say... Hey, I'm having an issue with such and such or whatever, or, Hey, someone's having a heart attack in here. Right. Or, you know, Hey, the, the lights went off or the toilets flooding or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So he and this other inmate got into a a thing. The other inmate went to the call box, hit the button. And then I watched the guy, the nicest guy I've ever met go over and stomp this man's head against a concrete floor. (laughs) Did he kill him? He didn't kill him, but. Woo. Was this nice guy like how big was he? Big dude. Yeah, he's big. Okay, bigger was, than I, bigger than bigger than me, but not bigger than you. Okay. Um, and he had like a lot of mass to him. 
and he cut up a little boy yeah. into a double. Oh my yeah. gosh! The the other thing that I saw one time, and it was so funny. And this is why, this, and this kind of goes into like the advice I would give comedians, mm-hmm. because you can give advice about comedy all day long. It's going to be a bunch of cliched stuff that. Yes, it applies to comedy, but it applies to life and every industry in the world. But one of the pieces of advice I give is be as nice as you can, as much as you can, to as many people as you can. Right. There was a lieutenant who was known for being a bit of a hard ass. Uh Uh-huh. An inmate came back from court because while they're in detention... If they have a court date, that's when we shackle them up, load them into the van, take them to the courthouse. Right. Um, Inmate had come back from court, sentenced to life. Okay. See where this is going? I cannot imagine (laughs) what what that squad car ride would be like after I got sentenced to life. So he gets back to the facility, and the facility is currently in lockdown for count. Facility counts three times a day. Okay. To ensure safety, to ensure the numbers, no one's escaped, blah, 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 blah. To ensure our records are correct. Right. All that stuff. He gets back during count, wants to make a phone call, wants to call his family and tell him, hey, I'm never I just out. got, yeah, I just got <laughs> sentenced to life. Lieutenant wouldn't let him make a phone call. Come on, man. It's my, you know, want to, you know, call my family, blah, blah, blah. Nope. And got in the inmate's face about it. Now, Again, a lieutenant who's known for being a bit of an asshole, right? which means most of the officers, i.e. backup, doesn't like him. Right, right. Gets in the face of someone who's just gotten sentenced to life. Yeah. I.e. nothing to lose. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, you usually only see knockout punches like that on HBO... <sighs> ESPN. You, I saw the inmate. They're standing toe to toe, face to face, and I watched that inmate drop that one foot back. I was like, "Oh, here it comes!" And he decked that lieutenant and dropped him one punch. I was like, "Wow, wow, that was impressive!" And and of course, you know, two, three, four, and there's the rest of the officers. You know, right. Wrestling him to the ground, right. him, putting him inside. There was a little pause there. They, they didn't mind yeah, there what happened. There was a little bit of a pause. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So the day after that happened, I was working in the main control room uh-huh. where all the security cameras are, all the, all the computers holding all the information. I got to my post. So we relieved second shift. Uh-huh. I'm at my post. Everyone from second shift came in and said, hey, uh, can you uh, rewind the footage from intake at about such and such a time? No problem. There it is. Ooh, and that was the first time I had seen it. Everybody from second shift came in to see the footage. Uh I was like, wow. And of course, as they got relieved and left, they told their counterparts on my shift, hey, so-and-so decked lieutenant so-and-so. And so slowly throughout my entire shift, all of my coworkers on third shift came in. Hey, can you roll the tape back? Right, right, right. Yep, sure can. (laughs) I must have watched that footage like 
50 times that night oh people like the door would pop open and, and someone would just lean in hey can you yep it's ready to go oh my gosh everybody hated him everybody hated him and was just like couldn't have happened to a nicer guy dude that's fascinating yeah this is to me seeming like a good idea for like a tv show i i especially because i submitted it as a tv show you to, did. to nbc did you yeah because the idea of a jail I mean, it's 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 perfect, especially because there's regulars. It's like Cheers, but in a jail kind of. I submitted <laughs> it. I submitted it with the pitch of Scrubs in a jail. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, uh, obviously didn't get picked up. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I would not be sitting here doing this podcast. <laughs> exactly. I'm um, sorry. It didn't work out. No, that's OK. <laughs> um, I submitted that and another pitch for sort of a. Uh, the opposite of a family comedy okay. um, called Baby Crazy. Okay. It was a young couple getting married and doesn't want to have kids. They want to just be together, but like they have kids. They are their jobs. She's a she's a nurse at a pediatric at a pediatric office. Okay, and he's a um, school resource officer. Okay, so they're constantly dealing with children. Yeah, and. Um, so they see all yeah. the worst parts or the the hardest parts of raising children. Yeah, she sees them as you know German infested petri dishes, and he, he sees, sees them, them as, p- as potential potential inmates. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I wrote that up and sent both of those to NBC uh, as part of a. They used to do a thing called the NBC Playground, and it was kind of like, hey, write up the next sitcom the next nbc sitcom did you ever get any traction on any of it or, no. he, or hear anything back i'm no. curious it's, cool it's kind of one of those things they get the pitches they decide the ones they want and everybody else hears crickets and okay. i still have the pitches at home it'd be nice as a courtesy if they at least acknowledge the receipt of the yeah well i i got the notice of like we've received it you are officially in the contest for consideration okay and that was the last thing i heard i so, gotcha yeah have you ever thought about self-producing any scripts than to digital? Uh, I actually, well, it's funny. Um, as we are recording this today, earlier today, I have a script for a fan film based on a comic book property um, that has recently just fallen apart. <laughs> My uh, uh, long story short, there's legal issues with the ownership of the company that owns the property in trying to create the next Marvel, the next Marvel cinematic universe, this other company is trying to do it as well. And because the people I'm working with are also trying to work professionally in film, they don't want to get wrapped up in that and have it affect other irons in the fire that they have. So I got a very polite message from uh, the director of the project today saying, gonna have to not do this. It's kind of cool to get the letter from the director, though. Well, it was uh, when I was letter from a director of the, of the like a major motion picture. No, that it was going to be the director of this short of uh, this of, short of the, fan, oh. of the fan film. And it was somebody it's somebody I've worked with before mm-hmm. on a on a different project as an actor, not a writer. OK, Um but yeah, I, look, the fact that any movie gets made is just shy of a miracle. Sure. So for on the independent side, on the short side, on the fan film side, 
Good luck. But, it, go, but it, go, go to YouTube. Right. Those, those are the lucky ones. Yeah. <laughs> the lucky ones have a finished product and it usually lives on YouTube. But if you had a completely original idea, an original script that you did, original. you wouldn't have those issues with True. Right? So, True. Yeah. I mean, who knows if a hundred if only like a hundred people see it, but yeah. you could still It becomes a really expensive business card. Yeah. It does. Because uh if you think back to there was a guy, and I forget his name, but he did a Batman short film. He worked in he worked in the costuming and prosthetics, but he had this idea for Batman versus Predator. Okay. And he put it together, and he shot... I mean, the movie's eight minutes, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but he put it together. He got an actor. He put some cameras up, some lights, and shot the thing, and it went viral. And yeah. Like, every nerd out there seen it of like, oh, Batman dead end? Yeah, yeah, it's dope. really cool. Um, but he used that as well. What can you, what can you do with a fi- with a film? What can you do with a budget? Right. And he would slide them that short film. There mm-hmm. you go. That's what uh, that a seems, really expensive business card. Okay, that's what you it's mean. A very by expensive okay. business card. So so this is like your your tight five that you've honed, or yeah. like something to shop to comedy exactly. clubs. It's like that. Yeah. For, for, in terms of in terms of comedy. When you apply to festivals, right? Like, well, what can you do? Well, here's my five minutes. Here's my ten minutes, twelve minutes, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But here it is. This is what I can do in five minutes. Right. And uh, they, and then based off that, they give you the yes or no. Mm-hmm. That's why festivals, festivals are great, but it's not. You're not there to perform for audiences. You're there to perform for agents, bookers. for bookers, for yeah. You're there. Yeah. To, you're there to network. Mm-hmm. And that's. I think. I think a lot of people forget that do comedy festivals expect you to be i know that's maybe not universal do they expect you to be clean depends, depends. a lot a lot of festivals clean ish they uh, every festival has their own set of rules their own their own audience that they cater to you know there's there's uh queer only festivals mm-hmm. there's um you know every group every group that's out there there's mm-hmm. a there's a comedy festival odds are there's a comedy festival geared just for them which is great, mm-hmm. um, but uh, but yeah, I, I remember I shared, I just shared someone's uh, promotion for a festival, mm-hmm. and uh, they're like, uh, "Are you?" And they, you know, are you part of this group? I was like, "No, just a comedy fan." They're like, right, right. They're like, oh, okay. God bless you for yeah, sharing yeah. Stuff, they're like, man. Okay, thanks. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, it's. You know, look, you support where you can. Mm-hmm. Have you applied you to comedy festivals? No, I I don't know why. Because I've talked with other comedians who have asked me the same thing of like, have you applied to festivals? Like, no. They're like, why not? And they're like, yeah. you know, so-and-so is getting into festivals. So I was like, yeah. They go, mm-hmm. do you think that you're funnier than them? And I was like, oh, well, you know, they're doing a different thing. And da, 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 da. they're like, oh, that was very, poli- that was very uh, diplomatic of you. Mm-hmm. Just answer the question. Are you funnier than them? And I was like, I think so. And they're like, right. yeah, you should go ahead. Knowing and how funny place. you are or anybody else's is such a mind F to me. And I don't, um, I, you know, we talked like early when I, like I just started, like that was when I met you. And like, yeah. it seems like the more I do it, as I haven't applied to any festivals, the longer I do it, the more wary I am of, of, are you sharing it? Second year now? Uh year and f- three months ish. Okay. Two well, months. congratulations. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, but it's just the more the more you get into it, the more you know you don't know, and the more oh, appreciation yeah. you have for what what good is. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, and I mean, be honest. Do you have a type five? Yeah, I. Uh, I mean, 
that works anywhere, anytime, any audience, a tight five. I um I haven't structured it like that. Okay. In terms of like I, I write a lot of new material and, and circulate it. Okay. I haven't sat down and structured all my best jokes one after the other and I don't even know if it would flow appropriately. Okay. But um but yeah, I um yeah, I don't know. But that that's is that saying yes to that when you would say it'd be ready to start applying to festivals or I think I think if you think you've got a tight five and it's a it's a tight five that you know backwards and forwards inside and out you don't have to glance at a paper nothing mm-hmm. you know all the beats mm-hmm. um then i would consider filming it mm-hmm. and i mean film it nice like right. make it look good take that film and show it to people you trust mm-hmm. is this good yes or no right you get three, four, half a dozen people who know comedy, who know comedy sets and film and, you know, filmed sets and stuff like that. You get enough of those like, yeah, you're solid. You're good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Consider submitting it to some festivals. Why not? And, you know, you know, start, you know, it's, it's a spiral. You start here, start working your way out. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't go much further than from Greenville. I wouldn't go much further than, Atlanta or Charleston or mm-hmm. maybe the triangle in North mm-hmm. Carolina. But you know, after that start looking at like Chattanooga, start looking at like Louisville, right? Tampa, you know, like branch out from there, you mm-hmm. know, get your feet wet with a couple different, uh, in a couple different areas, get yourself on a couple bills with, um, with some local, with some local talent, start headlining, mm-hmm. start headlining, uh, some shows for a little bit of cash. And, uh, from there, the sky's the limit. You just, it, you take that five, you turn it into 10, right? You take your 10, you turn it into 20. Mm-hmm. Now you're starting to feature, right? Because now you've got enough time that you can feature for somebody, right? You start featuring a lot. You keep writing that 20 turns into 30, turns into 45, turns into 50. Now mm-hmm. you've got an hour. Now you can start headlining. You can start doing your own hour. You get, you get that hour really polished, film it. You make it sound so easy, Todd. Uh, well, it's, this is this is the bullet points, man. Just the bl- I, no. I'm I'm skipping a lot of stuff, but yeah. And then once you've got that solid hour that you could freaking do in your sleep, mm-hmm. you film it and shop it around. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people have you know, especially now in the age of the internet. Could I sound like an older man? Uh, but <laughs> yeah. in the age of the internet. There's nothing keeping you from filming your first hour and putting it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam. Sam Morrell. Sam Morrell mm-hmm. has done it. There's a bunch of people that have done um, it. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Guy from SNL. Uh, I'm blanking. Anyway, he he, uh, he produced his own special. Um, gosh dang it. And Mark Norman has too. And he's the one. You, I know you love Mark Norman. Yeah. You Mark's, got to meet Mark's him great. when he came, right? I did. Yeah, yeah a few could, of us did. Yeah, Mark was Mark was really great. Uh, his opener, Chris Allen, was mm-hmm. great. Uh, he and I have been back and forth on Instagram a couple. Yeah, times. Chris Allen's great, man. Chris Allen's a Super great cool. guy. Very, very funny. Um, mm-hmm. I got to work security for Lewis Black. You did? Yeah, <laughs> that was a, that was a trip. Where, was, where at Comedy Zone? No, this was when I was actually living in Florida. Um, okay. I was working after. After my law enforcement career in South Carolina, mm-hmm. uh, my wife got a job 
down in Florida doing uh, long story short, she's a financial analyst in, okay. the, in the healthcare field. Yeah. So, okay. Um, that's really cool. I'm in healthcare too. So I, I, right, I would probably right. love to talk to her about that. Yeah, but, absolutely. Yeah. So, so she got a job down there while I was working campus police up here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I finished out the semester cause I was also taking classes at the time. Um, but I finished the semester here and then moved down. Mm-hmm. Law enforcement tends to be one of those good old boy professions where it's like, you, you got to know somebody. Right. And I moved hundreds of miles away from anybody I knew. So, mm-hmm. uh, instead of getting on law enforcement, I got on security at a local college. Okay. And which was great because it was just like kick your feet up, wait for something to happen. And right. Nothing ever happened. Breaking so. up frat parties, maybe. We didn't even have any residents. We didn't have any residents on campus. Oh, so, really? Okay. Yeah. And I worked second shift. So campus shut down at like seven or eight. Mm-hmm. My shift was till 11. So right. once they're gone, I. Go just, get go get some movies out of the library, kick my feet up, and just relax. Oh, that's great. Yeah. awesome. Um, but while I was there, um, we had multiple campuses. Mm-hmm. Um, Lewis Black was performing at another campus, and they needed security. I could not raise my hand fast enough. Right, just, right. Yes, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got to work. I got to watch from the wings, and you know hang out with him backstage yeah was he cool he's very very nice very sweet guy Mm -hmm. i i said excuse me mr black can i can i get a picture with you he's like absolutely yeah and i whipped out the phone to do a selfie Uh gave the finger to the camera (laughs) and he's i was like i started laughing he's like no i'll do one for real i was just like there was nothing wrong with the first one right right but we did another one and um and then once i moved back to greenville he played at the peace center Okay. And um, I went and saw his show mm-hmm. and approached him again. Uh, did he remember you? Yes. Yeah. Yes, he did. And yeah. uh, I he he did a voice on a cartoon uh, years ago called Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law. Okay. He, he I don't know like, if I've seen, I haven't seen that. It, it's, a, it, it's, it's a great cartoon, even if you're not in the legal field. Mm-hmm. If you're in the legal field, it's one of the best cartoons ever made. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, he did a voice on that show, and I took the season that he was in for him to sign. Because everybody was getting him to sign his book, his his DVDs and stuff. And I was just like, I'm going to take something unique. And right. I, I slid this season three of Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law. He lit up like a Christmas tree. I'm just like, oh, wow, I haven't seen one of these. <laughs> like, yeah. And he signed it. Wow, Lewis Black. So I've got that at home. That's was, really cool. Yeah, he was a really, really nice guy. Yeah. Um, the only other person I'd seen light up like that was um, was Stanley. Mm. When I met Stanley, you met Stanley. Yeah. Um, years ago, it was the thirtieth anniversary of Heroes Con, which is like the big pop culture convention on the East Coast. Okay. Everybody, everybody knows San Diego Comic Con. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that one. But here on the East Coast, Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, usually around Father's Day, there's Heroes Con. Okay. And Stanley was going to be there. And wow. Stanley was already, I think he was, I think he was ninety or like ninety one. I was just, and I told the wife, I was like, "Holy crap, Stanley's going to be there." She's like, "Yeah, really? This is kind of a big deal." And I was like, "Oh, he's like one of the last living legends." Right. She's like, "Okay, well, the meet and greet package." The prime seating at his panel. Let's get it all right. Right, and we did. Mm-hmm. Um, I went and bought some of the comics where he is actually credited as the writer. 
got him to sign them. They're preserved. And then while we were in line, uh, everybody's kind of comparing like, hey, what are you going to get him to sign? What do you, you know, what do you sign? You know, what do you do? Mm-hmm. And there was this kid kind of standing there, you know, and it was, and he wasn't really, he did, you didn't see what he had in his hand. It was like, what are you getting him to sign? He had this little book and it was the army, the United States army manual that Stanley wrote in World War II. Oh my God. He got a copy and I was just like, well, you win. Yeah. <laughs> you just won the day. Yeah. Um, and I watched this kid. He was he was a few people ahead of us and I watched. And Stan, when, uh, you know, rest in peace, Stan, but when Stan was sitting at the table, I was pretty sure he was asleep. Just, yeah. He's done so many of those shows. Yeah, you sit, sure it's you exhausting. Sit at, you sit at the table kind of like this. Uh-huh. Your arms on the table, the pen's in his hand, but he just kind of. Uh-huh. There's literally someone who slides comic books just underneath his pen. Right. And he just goes through the motion. Uh-huh. But when that kid got to his table and dropped that book on the table, I, I saw Stanley. Stanley was in his 20s again. He yeah. Just, Oh, I haven't seen one of these in years. This, <laughs> oh, this was back in the World War II. Yes, yeah, oh, man, that was really that was really cool to see. Hey. Okay, so I'm completely ignorant to this world. And no, yeah, this yeah. will be a good segue into the comic book stuff. Sure, but Stan Lee, yeah, um, he is obviously like he's the godfather of a lot of comic books. What yeah. what did he come up with out of nothing that was like? He is most known for. He is largely credited with, and because and because I don't want to do a disservice to um, any of the other creators, the one I'm pretty sure that he is most responsible for is the Fantastic Four. Okay, everything else, those prime things in Marvel, Stanley had a hand in, but it was not his brainchild. Is what is. Okay. Is how memory serves. Um, okay. Jack Kirby was actually involved in a lot of that. Jack Kirby came from an age where the artists did a lot of the writing, mm-hmm. so which was kind of cool because they ended up coming up with what's known as the Marvel method, okay. where a writer would go, hey, I've got a really good idea for uh, Spider-Man. He uh, stops a bank robbery. Uh, but then it's revealed that the bank robbery is actually a kidnapping. Okay. So that's the pitch. So if I'm the writer and I just pitched it to you, the artist, you go back to your office and start drawing Spider-Man stopping a bank robbery. Okay. Once you've got pencils, you give me those pages and now I get dialogue balloons and I start filling in the dialogue. Okay. And then once I've got some dialogue, I'll send them back to you. And then you take what I've given you and you expand what you've got. And we go back and forth like that until the book is done. Okay. And then it goes to color or it goes to ink and then it goes to color and then it goes to formatting and then it goes to all those before it hits the printer. That was kind of how it was done back in the day. When was the first comic book written? 18, uh, the platinum age is the platinum age is in the 1800s and none of that stuff exists anymore. So, wow. But okay. like the first modern stuff that, yeah, the first modern stuff is probably like the phantom and a lot of stuff that's currently owned by, I think dynamite or boom. They actually got their hands on a lot of those golden age properties that the trademark and the copyrights lapsed. Okay. So they became public domain. Mm-hmm. 
Um, the what, shadow. Decade, what decades are those around? We're talking uh, pre-World War II. Um, so 1930s. Okay. A lot of that stuff. A lot of the stuff that's that any sort of remnants are still around today. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dynamite has a lot of them. Boom Studios has a lot of them. Um, yeah. So they still exist. But right. You know, yeah, and then later came the DC Comics stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, Flash, those, um, and then shortly after that was Marvel. Yeah, Marvel. It, Marvel really hit its stride in the in the sixties and into the seventies. Okay, yeah. So I'm fascinated by the reason I'm asking about the the time frames is the writers at the time were obviously influenced by what was going on in history. Oh, very much so. And, uh, yeah. and you mentioned world war two with Stan Lee. Um, I'm an economics, uh, major, uh, and part of economic history that is the most fascinating is the 20th century mm. and going back maybe 200 years, even, um, because so much was happening and the global conflict was, was so insane. Oh yeah. I mean, we think the pandemic is crazy, but you know, well, comic books were actually one of the areas of commerce that they were actually able to double dip on a property or they were able to double dip on a product because a lot of those comics started as newspaper strips. Oh, okay. So when the newspaper strips came out, they kind of gauged interest from the fan base. The ones that were really popular, they took those strips, cut them up, and made books out of them, and now the so that's how a comic book again. evolved. It was there mm-hmm. was comics, just yeah. the funnies, like on the yeah, on just newspaper book. funnies, okay. and then most of those got um, most of those strips got reprinted as full issue books around the time of the World Wars. Mm-hmm. Similar because they were cheap, mm-hmm. they could make them on the cheap. Right, um, it's kind of an escape from the heaviness of exactly. casualties, and it was both propaganda. Because you had, at the time, you had Batman, Superman, Captain America punching out Hitler, punching right. out the Japan, quote unquote, the Japanese, or right. punching out Stalin or whoever mm-hmm. it was. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, almost every comic book character is by war bonds, you know, right. the whole thing. Um, but yeah, they they were able, they were actually able to sort of double dip on their own product, which was kind of brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um Flip side of the coin, the stuff that they made back then, you know, uh, a lot of that stuff doesn't exist anymore because the quality of the product, the paper, mm-hmm. uh, the binding, all that stuff um, disintegrated yeah. over time. And then there was uh, the the uh, the backlash of uh, the seduction of the innocent. There was a psychologist who actually attributed... Um, the youth culture, drugs, violence, that mm-hmm. sort of thing, they actually attributed it to comic books. So like the video game yeah, narrative of yeah, the nineties. The satanic panic of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. All of that stuff. Same type of thing. But Which they, is really BS. Oh I, yeah, I'm sure it's absolutely that, BS. Yeah. Um but it was so funny that we fought fascism and book burning in World War Two. Yes. Ten years later, you can find these on the internet photos of comic book burnings where they would throw them in a big pile. I mean, we're talking stuff that you could, if you had them today, you could put a down payment on a house with it. Like stuff yeah. that's very, very expensive and hard to find. It yeah. is interesting. The different faces of dogma, 
Oh like, yeah, like how it can manifest itself. Um, well, like, I, think- I remember Harry Potter. I wasn't allowed to read Harry Potter when I was a kid because I was at evangelical strict. Oh yeah, at the time it was happening very much. Yeah, it was so it was so interesting. I love the movie Pink Floyd, uh, The Wall. Okay, yeah, and in that movie. Pinker, the character of Pinkerton Floyd is struggling with how he came up in the household uh, where his father is killed in World War II. Mm-hmm. And he deals with that his whole life until he himself becomes the thing he hated. He becomes he becomes this fascist because, uh, you know, uh, all the different circumstances. I won't recount the, the entire movie this, here. But that sounds amazing. It's wild. If you're familiar with Pink Floyd's music... Mm-hmm. I highly recommend watching the film. The Wall. Because okay. it's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of wanted to ask you about this as a general question. But uh, so you grew up uh, son of a preacher? Yes. Okay. Son of a preacher, man. You're obviously extremely creative. Uh, you know, you Thank have you. the comic book stuff. Yeah. That's very no, sweet of you. Thank no, you. I, it's, it's self-evident. <laughs> I mean it. Um, did you have any sort and then you know bob jones did you have any sort of uh wrestling that you had to do with creative expression versus your traditional a little bit the first the first creative writing that i did was at bob jones and it was a it was an english class assignment Mm -hmm. um we were given the very vague direction to write a fantasy story Mm mm-hmm um, most everyone in the class took that to mean castles, dragons, knights in shining armor, a wizard of some sort, damsel mm-hmm. in distress, and you know, Tolkien, mm-hmm. uh, C.S. Lewis. There you go. Mm-hmm. So they were all writing those stories, right? I went, I took the road less traveled by. What'd you do? I wrote a story about a vampire killer, okay? Um, it was fun. I think we had to write. I think we had to write four hundred words. Mm-hmm. I stopped writing after nine hundred words. <laughs> I just fell into it and it flew, loved it. Flowed it. out of you and yeah. you loved it. Yeah. Our two, the two directives that we had with that assignment is we had to have a simile. We had to use a simile, mm-hmm. and we had to have a metaphor for God. Okay. Um, which I had. Mm-hmm. I followed directions. Um, I got my paper back and it had a D. I got a D on it. And I you know, went to the teacher and said, uh, excuse me, I don't understand why I got a D on this. Said you didn't have a simile or a metaphor. So, okay. I went back to my desk and I leaned over to my neighbor. I said, do you have a highlighter? <laughs> I said, sure. Handed it to me. I said, thank you. Took the cap off, highlighted my simile, highlighted my metaphor, handed them back the highlighter, took the paper back to the teacher, gave it back to her. She looked at it and changed the D to a B. And I said, thank you. (laughs) And it was just kind of, I was like, all right, I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is, this is, it, that was a very big eye opening experience for me. I had never really done anything like that before creatively. I had never expressed anything creative like that before. Mm-hmm. So this, you know, my whole world cracked open. But then with the added experience of somebody, someone didn't no. like it and yeah. was like, you didn't follow directions. I was like, well, you clearly didn't pay attention. Right. And so that's, I think, I think I've kind of taken that 
that's always stuck with me. Mm-hmm. And anytime anyone's had any sort of issue with my material, mm-hmm. my, you know, I'll listen. I'll absolutely listen to your complaint. But if it's clear that you didn't hear what I was saying, that's going to be my next question. Right. It's like, okay, you heard me, but did you actually listen? Yeah. Because I have a joke where it sounds like I'm making fun of criminal domestic violence, Mm -hmm. but I'm not. I'm making fun of this dumb commercial online. Right. But a lot of people hear me making fun of what sounds like criminal domestic violence. I was like, you're... You're not listening to me. Right. It's You're that clearly whole not listening. don't color outside the lines mentality. Sure. Um, like uh, I, th- I think of Dead Poet Society. I think we're good there. Yeah. Sorry about that. No, you're good. Um, or uh, anything like the comic book burnings. Mm. Um, the uh, And then like it manifests itself everywhere. Like it, it, it can be in the evangelical space. It can be on the right. It can be on the far left. Uh, with you know thought policing and speech policing, sure, it can yeah. it can manifest itself anywhere. It's not it's not there's no um, real rhyme or reason. Yeah, and um, I just I really I really enjoyed I really enjoyed the writing of it. Like, mm-hmm. and as a kid, I was always very outgoing. Um, I'm the youngest of three, mm-hmm. so it was always vying for attention. Right, right, right. Um, my next oldest brother's 13 years older than me. Mm-hmm. Uh, my oldest brother's 20 years older than me, so I was a very late baby. Yeah. Um, and was put in front of the television. Uh, mm-hmm. My parents were 40 by the time they had me. Wow. They, they were kind of done with the raising kids thing. Mm-hmm. So, well, let's just sit him in front of uh, let's sit him in front of the television. Let him watch cartoons. Yeah. What? <laughs> and then once I got old enough to start hanging out with my brothers who were in the demographic for David Letterman, mm-hmm. Saturday Night Live, the kids in the that hall. That opened your world to the comedy. Yeah. I was yeah. watching cartoons during the day and stand up comedy at night. And right. it's sort of, I sort Melded of fused together. the two within yeah. my head. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it's cool. Like what you said about nine, you wrote 900 words and it felt like nothing probably because yeah. it flowed out of you. Like following that, that sort of instinct uh, where it's just almost involuntary like that that is kind of a signal for a creative person I think I think so yeah um, it's definitely a it's definitely a red flag it's definitely an indicator it's like oh you may yeah. have a Procl- proclivity to this follow like, that <laughs> yes and it sucks because there's obstacles because people around you are gonna say sure you know, I remember don't do that don't you know I remember watching you deal with with someone who had an issue <laughs> with your comedy yeah. and me standing by <laughs> just inching closer to hear the conversation yep. and you like, I got it. I got hands, hands down. Like my hat's off to you. You handled it like an absolute pro. You heard, you heard them. You gave what I thought was a very generous explanation of what you were trying to do. <laughs> But you didn't fold to them. And I was like, yeah. as soon as they were out of earshot, I was like, you handled that perfectly. <laughs> I appreciate it. I don't yeah, remember man. exactly what I said. but uh, Oh, I don't know. Somebody got bent probably, out of shape. She probably had a fair point. I mean, that was like a month. <laughs> sure. <laughs> My shit was probably horrible. Oh, yeah. Well, but. I mean, look, we all start that way. Mm-hmm. We all start that way. Everything we do is super rough. Like I had done stand up once or twice, which is a story in and of itself. But when I started doing stand-up here in Greenville, um, that first night, I had I was at the time I was working at a liquor store 
and the owners uh, for, were from India, mm-hmm. and at a certain time of the year, they go back to India okay. for like a month mm-hmm. because it's very expensive. It takes a long time to get there, and if you're going to spend uh, any amount of time there, it's going to be extended. So they basically handed me the keys to the liquor store and were like, okay, you run the store for the next month, mm-hmm. which I did. And at the end of it, I had worked open to close Monday through Saturday for five weeks straight. And that very last week on Monday, I was like, tonight's the night. And I went down to coffee. I went down to coffee underground. Yeah. And it was all I could. I had been like reviewing and memorizing and uh, rehearsing the material I had written. I had a full page, Mm -hmm. only one page of written material and was just constantly going over it constantly. Mm -hmm. And when I, ladies and gentlemen, we have a new comic here for you tonight. Please welcome to the stage, uh, Mr. Todd A. Davis. Okay. And I get up there. The lights were so bright. Uh-huh. It was all like the mic is in the stand. It was literally all I could do to hang on to the microphone, shut my eyes and just say the material. <laughs> How'd it go? It went really well. Actually, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't really paying attention. I could hear laughter and I know when laughter starts to die down, you go again. And it's, I got through all of the material. I don't think I missed anything. I bet it was endearing because, well, I, I, uh, my name is Todd A. Davis. Thank you so much. Good night. And that's when I met Adam Schulte. Okay. And he's, uh, you know, a few weeks later I'm back again and he was like, let's talk. Mm-hmm. And he and I had a sit down there in the cafe of coffee underground mm-hmm. and, uh, we became fast friends and he mm-hmm. was like, why don't you come on with stone grown comedy? Yeah. You know, some, not long after that. How long ago was this? I started for real March 2016. Okay. When was your first, was that around the time of your first mic or was that, was it my first mic? My very first time at the mic was actually down in Florida. My first two times were down in Florida. Okay. And one was really great. And one, the very next one was an absolute nightmare. Yeah. (laughs) I might as well tell the story. Um, so I was writing my first comic book mm-hmm. while I was down there. The first adventures on earth with Adam and Steve. Okay. A lot of fun. Uh, it ran every two weeks for a year. We took, was the, it a gay comic book? It Adam was and Steve, Adam and Steve. It was, that's, that's the, the cliche. Yeah, that's joke. the cliche joke is, um, that it's, it's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Right. That's not, the homophobic, right, joke. That's the homophobic <laughs> joke. Yeah. So, okay. So let me go a little further back. I get to this college where I'm working security I know no one. Mm-hmm. All of my coworkers are all retired cops who are at least 20 years older than me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like 10 years older than any of the students. So I don't relate to anybody. So I'm walking around doing my rounds, checking stuff. And I, I go into the financial aid department. There's a young lady working behind the counter. Uh, I see she's drawing. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, cool. I was like, you know, I've, uh, I'm a writer and, uh, I saw she was drawing this little dinosaur character. Okay. I was like, oh, hey, that's that's really cool. I'm, you know, very envious of artists. The only thing I can draw is a little skeleton. And I grabbed this little piece of paper and I doodled this little skeleton. And she was like, oh, that's really cool. You know, we should, uh, you're a writer. We should make them do something. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. So I, you know, finished my rounds, went back to the office and was thinking about it and was like, okay, well, let's. Let's make them do something. Mm-hmm. And that became the first strip of Adam and Steve where the the first man, Adam, 
wakes up. He's just been created in the Garden of Eden. Right. Realizes he's alive uh-huh. in this brand new thing called life. And he's so excited and he's immediately eaten by a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> so now that's great. Yeah. So now Yay. he's so now he's walking around as a skeleton. Okay. And he and the dinosaur become best friends. So it's kind of like Calvin and Hobbes. That's a really cool idea. Yeah. I love that. The only word the dinosaur can say is roar. Okay. But they interact as if they are best friends and just. I love this. Is this a comic book? Uh, Yeah. We did it every. uh, We did that first strip. And then two weeks later, we did the next one. And then two weeks later, we did the next one. And that's when my buddy who has a comic book studio. Do you sell these? I've got a few copies left. Yeah. I would love to get yeah. one. Yeah. I'll get you or one. Or borrow one or whatever. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I don't wanna, yeah. But I've, uh, my buddy who runs a comic book studio finally gave me a call. He's like, Hey, see, you're doing this Adam and Steve thing. I was like, yeah, you know, just having fun with it. Just uh-huh. making, making some jokes. Like I've got, my father was a, my father was a minister. Uh-huh. My oldest brother came out years ago. So I've got a bunch of religious jokes and gay jokes from yeah. all of this. I was just like, I have nowhere to put this. Right. <laughs> So I ended up just kind of putting them all in this silly little cartoon. So Steve is the dinosaur, is that right? Yes, yeah, Steve's okay. the dinosaur. Okay, I got it. And uh, my friend who has the studio was like, so would you like to do it through the comic book company I have? I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess so. He goes, all right, well, you and your artist sign a contract and send it to me and we'll slap our logo on it. And I was like, okay, cool. Do they screw you out of stuff no, that way? No. Okay. It was just kind of like we just... We'll help you distribute and we'll help I got you, you raise awareness and the whole thing. I have no idea how that works. I was just curious. You hear stuff in the music industry. Oh, or, yeah. You know. Well, that's the nice thing about the comic book industry. It's kind of like they can't make the product without the creatives. So it doesn't behoove them to screw anybody over. Right. But anyways, uh, we started making this comic strip and we did it every two weeks for a year. And eventually at the end of that first year, we took all of our strips. We put them in a book. We took it to Kickstarter. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we set a goal of a thousand bucks. We raised a little over, a little over thirteen hundred bucks. Okay, and yeah. um, I cold called stores as I am a writer. I've got this uh, comic book. I was wondering if you'd uh, sell it in your store. Go fuck myself. Okay, thanks so much. <laughs> like, was it a lot of that? Did you get anybody? A lot of that. I actually did find some stores who were very uh, independent creator friendly Mm -hmm. and were like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We'll Mm -hmm. take 10 copies. We'll take 20 copies, whatever. And I drove them. I drove them to North Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Alabama Mm -hmm. of all places. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So anyways, in while I was writing the comic book, the college I was working at had a uh, sort of a seminar a day-long seminar by a local comedian. It was put on by the English department Mm -hmm. who the comedian was coming in to teach the kids about uh, comedic writing and public speaking. And I was like, I had... How long was the seminar? It was kind of like uh, one seminar around midday, one seminar late in the day, and then there was a showcase at night where all the kids who had spent all day in these comedy seminars could write some jokes and get up and tell them in front of their friends. Okay. I was just interested in the information. Right. So I went to the people who were holding this thing. It was the English department. I went to them and said, Hey, 
you know, I'm writing this comic book. It's comedy. I've never written comedy before. Can I attend your seminars mm-hmm. and just kind of sit in the back and the whole thing? They're like, yeah, absolutely. No problem. And then you want to perform at the end of the night, right? <laughs> I was like, no, not at all. No, I really don't. I love stand up. I don't want to perform. Oh, come on. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. You'll have an absolute blast. No, I really don't want to do this. I just want Isn't to. Isn't that funny? The resistance yeah. right before your first yeah. time. I have the utmost respect for stand up and all that stuff. I don't want to do it. It's I'm huge. doing this. Comic books are my thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, come on. Just come on and do it. Okay, fine. So I took the day off of work because the seminars were during the day mm-hmm. and the thing was at night. And we go through the public speaking one, which I didn't have a problem with. And we go through the writing one, which was a little more interesting because, again, this is structured for stand-up, not for comic books. Right. So I kind of, okay, all right. And I had some time between when I agreed to do it and when it actually happened. So knowing that, I kind of went home and was like, okay, this is kind of funny, and I'll write it down. And Okay. Okay, this is funny, too. So you had a little head start. So I had a little head start. I had as much a head start as anybody else. Mm-hmm. So it comes to the the day of the the whole shindig, and we do the both seminars. And now it's time for the showcase, and I'm like, okay. So it's all these students and the guy who works in security. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing you. Yeah. Um, okay. And uh, we go through the whole lineup. Each kit, and I, they didn't tell us what the lineup was. Uh-huh. So I'm backstage, kind of, you know, looking over my looking over my notes, walking around, kind of psyching myself up. Okay, here we go. And you know, as I, each kid is keep getting called up, and like, and I'm still back here, and they saved me for last. Uh-huh. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'll go up last. Didn't realize that's the headlining spot. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Here we go. Mm-hmm didn't pay attention to how many people walked into the auditorium. It was most of the campus. Oh my God. Like, You've got to be kidding me. So I go up there. I do my jokes. I feel like it goes well. And, um, thank my name is Todd a. Davis. Thank you so much. Good night. Turn around to leave. The host is coming back on stage and says, Hey, don't leave. Uh-huh. You know, don't run off. So, okay. So I go off stage. He goes, okay. Out of the, 12 kids that performed uh we're gonna bring back uh your favorites and he called him out and the last one was me and so i'm up there with like five or six others he goes okay by round of applause vote for your favorite i didn't realize it was a contest i Uh had first time this is my first time doing stand-up ever didn't realize it was a contest and i'm standing it was a very white part of florida I'm standing between the one black kid uh. and the girl in the wheelchair <laughs> who, in my opinion, in my opinion, had the best joke of the night. Right. She got up to the mic, took the mic out of the stand, brought it, and she's sitting in her wheelchair. And first thing out of her mouth is, you'll forgive me if I don't get up. <laughs> I was like, give her the award. She just won the night. That is hysterical. So anyways, they're like, and your winner, Mr. Todd A. Davis, while all the other people are still standing on stage, they brought me a hilariously huge bouquet of flowers <laughs> and a bunch of stuff and a bunch of like knickknacks so, from so the there, bookstore. There's a black guy sitting there and a, and a little girl in a yeah. wheelchair. <laughs> And, I, and, and you the, got it. And the guy from security 
yeah. one. Like, Wait, how old really? were these other college? College. And how so, old were you at the time? I was pushing 30. <laughs> did, you, did you have a beard? I did not have a beard. They wouldn't let us have facial hair okay. at the time. No. But, you, but you look... Like, but I had like the tattoos. Like Van Wilder coming back to campus. Yeah. To I, wasn't, I, wasn't in, I wasn't in uniform, thank God. But it was kind of like... I. One of my jokes was, so yeah, I'm the guy that works in security. Let me rephrase that. I'm the guy who works in security. And the, <laughs> that got a laugh out of everybody. Cause, yeah, security was a joke. Yeah, yeah security was a joke. Oh, yeah, like you said, it was the... Yeah, yeah, we did nothing. It was a bunch of retired cops collecting a paycheck. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, anyways, part of what I won was a five-minute spot at the comedian who hosted. It was a five-minute spot at that comedian's open mic. Okay. So it was at a pool hall somewhere in Florida. Brutal. And I show up. I've got, I've refined a couple things. Uh, I was like, okay, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to do this. Let's go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, first up, please welcome Mr. Todd A. Davis. I get up there and I've got a tight set, real mm -hmm. tight. I got an opener. I've got three bits. Each bit has three jokes. Right. Super methodical. Yeah. Um, I get up there. I do my opening line. Crickets. Nothing. Not a boo. Not a snicker. Nothing. I go, okay, maybe that opener doesn't work. Let's try another opener. Do another opening line. Crickets. Okay. Let's just go ahead into the first bit. Do the first joke of the first bit. Crickets. Second joke of the first bit. Crickets. After that, I went, okay, well, nothing's working, so bye. I put the mic back in the stand and walked off walked uh -huh. off stage. How many minutes had it been? Well, the host wasn't ready for that, so she runs back up on stage and goes, hey, you know you've got like four minutes and 45 seconds left. <laughs> all, the typical you know, first-timer comedian who talks it's, too it's, fast. It's incredible how long time can seem when it's not going well. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, and here's gosh. the kicker. So I go, okay, it's not going well, so bye. She goes, you know, you got like a bunch of time left. I said, well, none of it's working, so. Oh, she goes, is this your first time? I said, it might as well be. Uh -huh. And that got the room laughing. Yeah. And I was like, you motherfuckers. Yeah. Couldn't laugh at any of the shit I prepared. Yeah, I wonder if it was, was it overconfidence? So here's the thing. I get to the back of the room mm -hmm. where the comedian from the college who hosted the night. Yeah. I get back to the back of the room where that, that comedian is standing. He goes, oh, I forgot to tell you. This entire room, they're all comedians. See that table yeah. over there with those two people? They aren't comedians. I was like, oh, comedians don't laugh at things. I get it now. Some do. Some do. Some I do. do. Burt Kreischer does. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's... Yeah, it was a, it was a kind of a, it was a big, it was a big eye-opening experience because my first time had gone so well. Mm -hmm. My second time, I crashed and burned. So that was kind of really great for me to have those experiences right off the bat, yeah. back to back. And from there, it was always just kind of like, okay, they might hate you. Yeah. If you, if you kind of have that in the back of your head, it makes it a lot easier. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's so hard. Yeah, because it's it's like in the moment always, no matter what. 
um, no matter how many times you do it. Like the resistance you faced that first time, like not wanting to go. Like when they said, oh, you want to perform, right? Yeah. And, and you didn't want to. No. I, no, no. Uh, <laughs> I had the same reaction. I got invited to Comedy Zone for my first time. And the, the, the after you had been I, After you had been doing nothing. Radio Room? No, nothing? I did Comedy oh, Zone wow. my first time, yeah. Radio Room was the next week. But I got that text and it was like adrenaline and just dread and it was like i knew it was like a fork in the road moment of i i should go do this i could run away yeah and i think of that i think of that biblical story a lot uh jonah you know he's called to do something Mm -hmm. and he ignores the call and then he gets swallowed by the whale or the big fish um and uh, that was the same kind of reaction it's funny like i feel like that was stand up too still to this day like it's a micro version of that every time. Right. There's always that resistance. Well, there's always that call too. Yeah. And it's so interesting to me when I talk to newer comedians, especially here who are just getting their feet wet, just mm-hmm. getting started. Like they haven't been at it for a month. Like mm-hmm. I was like, look, please understand that coffee underground is a lot different than radio room is a lot different than comedy zone. Mm-hmm. Those three rooms are very, very different. They you are. don't, you don't do the set the same way that you would in either, in either one of those venues. Mm-hmm. I was like, look, com- uh, coffee underground is where you go to really refine the material because the people that are in there are there to, to watch what is on stage. It's a theater. Mm-hmm. So you have no choice. All the chairs are facing one direction. Right. Once that material works there, that's when you go to radio room mm-hmm. because radio room is a bar. Right. It is loud. Mm-hmm. Now you've got material that you know works. Now you have to be able to command the room. Right. Once you've got the material and you know how to command the room, then you go to comedy zone. Right. Because you're competing with some noise from the bar. Mm-hmm. They've got servers walking around, but it is a comedy club. So it's a, it's yeah, it's kind of a hybrid of coffee underground yeah. and radio room. Yeah, they're some there distractions. They're there to sh- see you, but it's it can turn into it can turn combative mm-hmm. quickly. Yeah, because the, that audience will turn on you quick. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, luckily here in Greenville, the audience is fairly nice. We're in mm-hmm. a very artist friendly area. I feel. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, boy, it can go south. Yeah, I feel similarly. You know, I uh, when I go to Comedy Zone, I I am pretty positive everything I'm going to say is going to work at least a little bit. Yeah. I don't bring things there that's brand new ever. Well, and I approach it this way. I, in good conscience, can't ask someone to pay for yeah, something sure. that I know isn't good yet. Sure. You know, coffee. There's absolutely that responsibility. Coffee underground, radio room. You're getting your money's worth. You didn't pay a damn dime. Right. And I'm up here by myself. So Mm -hmm. we're in this together to make this, to polish this up so that when I go to Comedy Zone, people, you know, who frequent Comedy Zone go, oh, you know what? I've seen this guy before. He's good. Mm -hmm. And they know that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, people, there's a big misconception that like, you write brand new jokes every time and that you never perform the same thing twice. Like that's dumb. Mm-hmm. That's you're, you're shooting yourself in the foot, right? Like, it's prepared material. Mm-hmm. Like you don't just do it the one time and it works. And then you get your Netflix special. Right. That doesn't happen. Right. Um, yeah. I like to have kind of a rotation of things. Mm-hmm. 
new stuff. I like to write new things every week, but I like to circulate old things. Sure. Often to polish. Um, part of that's just the. It, to me, it's more fun creatively to to have new things to work on. Well, yeah, but, and look, once you get a nice stockpile of different bits mm-hmm. about different subject matters, then you can say, okay, I want to structure a a set on workplace experiences sure and you can kind of pick and choose from those and then based on the based on the bits that you've chosen arrange them in such that you actually create a Mm storyline your set is your storyline it's a through it's a through it's a it is a narrative right from beginning to end and that helps keep people's attention yes you know sometimes there's some comics and i hate to even say anything negative (laughs) about uh mark normand uh, but one of his specials, I actually had a hard time getting to the end, really, because some of the jokes, it, it, the narrative wasn't. I didn't feel it as much as I do when I watch a Louis C.K. special. Right, Louis is brilliant. I mean, practically all of his hours are they follow, you know, some kind of, right, or they're just so off the wall creative that I'm like. Boom. The segues are so smooth. Yeah, it's like he's you just feel talking. like you're in the same bit. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it has a continuity throughout. Yes, there I, there was a little bit like with one liner comics. That's a challenge for me to watch an hour of Jeselnik, for example, too. Yeah, a hard time for me. Like, but you know, your point about narrative structure in a set and how the jokes work together is a good one. Um, yeah, I mean, and Jeselnik, that's the that's the nice thing about watching these professional A list comedians. Over a period of time, mm-hmm. if you watch Jesselnik's first special, it watches a lot different than his most recent special. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with uh, Amy Schumer. Mm-hmm. Like to watch her, even if you watch like the leather special back to back with um, Bigger, I think is was her most recent one. Okay. The one she did where she was pregnant. Okay, you can see a big difference. In in her skill in writing, mm-hmm. in her skill in performing, you can see that growth there. More dynamic, yeah. More narrative structure, more yeah. things like we're talking about. Okay, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you can look at that over time with a lot of different people. One of the nice things about I have a uh, Paramount Plus, um, so I can watch all things Star Trek. Um, <laughs> nice. But one of the things, one of the nice parts about it is that. Paramount has Comedy Central. Mm-hmm. So they've got the comedy sets from everybody right. that have been on Comedy Central back into the early 90s, late 80s. And it's great because you can pull A-listers, mm-hmm. like today's A-listers, you can pull their Comedy Central sets, right. their Comic Cabana sets, their Comedy Central Presents sets, mm-hmm. and look at that stuff Versus what they just released on Netflix now. Mm-hmm. And look at the progression. Yeah. It's really fascinating. It is. And the guy I just complimented, Louis C.K., I can find his old material mm-hmm. and make similar criticisms that sure. I may be making about new comics now. And, yeah. and even by comparison, I think, you know, Mark Norman is better than the old Louis C.K. material. Mm. I don't know if you've ever made that comparison. Have you ever seen Interesting. his Louis old hour where the one that he talks about a lot that he stuck with for like a decade and he kind of hit a wall where he was almost 
depressed and then George Carlin inspired him to do a new hour every year and push himself creatively God. out of desperation more than anything. Yeah. He used his old act as a security blanket, but that old act is funny and clever and good, sure. but it's not um, near the, you know, what he's produced since then. Yeah. And I think when a comedian goes through something life changing, You'll also see that. Yeah. Patton Oswald losing his wife. Yeah. The set he did, the special he did right after that was brilliant. Mm -hmm. And I loved, I loved Patton Oswald before that. Mm -hmm. But to hear him talk so openly and honestly about his wife dying being the second worst day of his life, where the first day, the first, first place worst day of his life was telling his daughter. It was just, it, I heard it again on, uh, I have Sirius XM. I heard it again in the car the other day and I got, I got to where I was driving to and just put the car in park and listened to the rest of the set before I got out of the car. Was, it's just, it's so good. It's mm-hmm. so good. Flip side of the coin. You watch Jerry Seinfeld, 24 hours to kill where he himself makes the joke of like, you know who I am. If you were me, would you be up here hacking out another, another one, one of these? these? Yeah. Like you can see cuz his stuff he's still the master of observational. Mhm. But that's what he's doing. Right. Same thing. Right. The bits are a little longer. Mm-hmm. He's got the benefit of age. Mhm. He also has success, be it benefit or hindrance. So that Colors Success it a little can bit be your too. own worst enemy. Oh yeah, which is why I'm actually really excited. I mean, did you see? I'm sorry, I'm talking about Louis so much. Uh, right. After he got canceled, um, sincerely, did you watch that hour? I have not watched sincerely. Oh yet. my gosh, and not because of any. I just haven't had the time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I don't mean to take sides or anything. I mean, I'm I'm very partial to him, you know. Um, but I think he basically was at the mountaintop, and then from a career perspective was as low as you could get sure and to see a more gracious side of him like beaten down guy like i kind of think that's when he's at his funniest i think doing doing the set because he did he did that and uh aziz ansari same thing yeah he, i haven't he, seen he, any posts uh, his uh the set that he did which was directed by spike jones mm-hmm. it was a it was a departure from the other material from the other specials that he's done so far. And it was a breath of fresh air. Mm -hmm. And then he kind of addresses of like, this was very scary for me. Mm -hmm. And I almost lost everything. Like he keeps it deeper than, yeah, it's much mm -hmm. deeper. Look at, uh, God, look at Bo Burnham. Like look at his first few specials and then look at inside. Inside. Christina and I talked about that on ours. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Like my, (laughs) my wife does not like comedy. Right. (laughs) She doesn't. Let me, let me rephrase. My wife does not like watching stand up comedy. Mm -hmm. And finally I got her to explain why. And she's like, it's so sad. And I was like, that means you understand. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it takes a special kind of damaged to do what we do. <laughs> right. To literally talk about your life and the things that have, for lack of better term, for the things that have hurt you uh-huh. and turn it into entertainment for total strangers. Right. 
go to therapy. Yeah. Go, like <laughs> read some self-help books or something. Like there are, there are, mo- it's, and I mean, well, what do you get out of it? Free drinks. Good. Just what you need. Alcohol. Awesome. Yeah. And bar food. Yeah. I can use some more of that. Yeah. Like, oh God. Like, yeah. so yeah, it takes a, it takes a special kind of damage to do what we do. Yeah. And I think celebrity or success does not exempt you from it either. Mm-hmm. And that's very evident. Mm-hmm. You know, it's in fact, it's magnified. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You're preaching to the choir. You know, the, oh, yeah. you know, the name of this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I uh yeah and I actually feel weird about that sometimes. I'm I I've, I've never been literally suicidal or anything. No. It's oh, a la- it's, it's, a it's great. It's a you, <laughs> once you get there, once you get there, you'll just get the food tastes better, yeah, you know, the yeah. be- the beer goes down smoother. Yeah, you oh, just, yeah. you know, you're your blankets a, will never feel more comfortable you're, than you're when you're being you honest are with truly the, suicidal. With the misery that human existence is, you've come to grips with it. <laughs> yeah. You're free. It's good. <laughs> No, I mean, there's an element of darkness to the name, and uh, I uh, the, the expression is like, this was me trying to be creative in a self-deprecating way, and mm. it was, that's what I needed in my life at the time that I wrote it. I never came to anything serious depression, but, uh, I, but yeah, uh, comedians have something, I think. Yeah, I, I, I there's been with. times where, I mean, when I was in law enforcement, one of the things they tell us at the academy is they give us all the statistics. Mm-hmm. They go, uh, congratulations on becoming uh, law enforcement officers. Statistically, you have just shortened your life by 17 years. I'm like, sorry, what now? <laughs> like, yeah, even if you never draw your gun in the line of duty. Does it wear, is the reason for that? Stress. 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 Assuming you don't die in your patrol car mm-hmm. or die on a call or mm-hmm. blow your own brains out or drink yourself to death or mm-hmm. whatever it is there. The other statistics they gave us were like, look at alcoholism, drug abuse, spousal abuse, um, suicide, um, amongst law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Like that stuff's high anyway right. in law enforcement. It's through the roof. Yeah. It's like, Oh my that God. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. You know, with comedy though. And I, I don't know. I, I almost, hesitate making this comment because i don't want it to wear off um but it, you know it's been over a year and i'm doing it regularly are uh, you are you over it no oh okay it makes me happy oh okay which <laughs> when i tell people that uh and mean it i'm like holy shit i've actually nice. i wasn't giving you a line yeah. like it makes me um it balances me out it uh so releases endorphins, it, man. It, it does. And it's not like a, uh, and I've mentioned this before. It's not a shallow pleasure. It's hard. I don't want to do it all the time. You know, it's like working out. But yeah. It's like, it's a process. And once I understood that there's not an arriving, it's a process. It's yeah. And you kind of much. go through that. It's like, you can kind of operate the, the, you know, your life in a way that's like shit, but you're moving forward. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh like, yeah. Cause I've been in ruts before, you know, I'm sure a lot of people have, whether it's career or just, you know, yeah. And it's just it's, seeking for something. Oh yeah. There's like more, it's more about a process. It's so in terms of creative expression, it's great because you're taking a final product and making it better. Mm-hmm. Stand up the open mics the open mics are your editing process. Yep. It, and I've said this to a bunch of young comedians of like, look, 
I probably asked you right off the bat, what's your writing process? Mm -hmm. Um, I asked that of almost everybody Mm -hmm. and the folks who were just, Oh, I just get up there and wing it. And I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. clock's ticking on you. Um, but the folks who approach it seriously, Mm -hmm. who, who write down their stuff, whatever, whatever method you determine is best for you to keep track of your material. Yeah. Great. As long as you have one, Mm -hmm. but understanding that it doesn't stop there. Mm-hmm. You take that stuff to the stage, bounce it off an audience because what's funny in your head is not going to be funny to somebody else. Right. That's what you need to go back and fix. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to scrap it all together. Right. You may just need to reword it a little right. bit. The ESPN bit, my mm-hmm. closer that's mm-hmm. been my closer for a long time. That's not, it did not come out in that form. Right. Right. Exactly. I actually took it to an actress. Yeah. Um, excuse me, an actor um, who happens to be my niece, mm-hmm. a classically trained actor mm-hmm. who is now, um, I, th- I think she's a professor of theater at Furman. Mm-hmm. And I ran the bit by her and she goes, oh, take the second part and switch it with the third part. Right. And I did. And it hit so much harder and I started closing with it and uh-huh. people come up to me, you yeah. know, all the time. Yeah. Cause and I haven't seen you in, in months and months and months. When I think Tade Davis, I remember, you know, your signature bits like, so. Yeah. It's, it's been a lot of, it's been a lot of stuff like that. And I'm trying to write, I am writing more. And, uh, you know, when I hosted that Christmas show, uh, is where I got COVID. Yeah. And um, so this is kind of what got you out of a stand up. Th- this is what mode. got me currently out of it. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm still writing mm-hmm. and I do plan to go back mm-hmm. once this is in our rear view. There's a mic tonight at eight o'clock at Radio Room. I, oh, not Radio Room. No, <laughs> no. And I'll tell you why. I'll, t- I, I will tell you exactly why. I'm just, I'm just messing with no, you. I do okay. not mean to pressure you and be like, oh, you pussy. No, no. What you're really saying, what you're really saying is, Todd, wrap this up. I've got a mic to get to. No, 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 no. Seriously, I just, I just glanced. I don't want to. No, that's fine. So, so here's what happened. I, uh, I did the show. Um, few days later, got the call from one of the comedians going, hey, just to let you know, tested positive for COVID. I was like, oh, great. Well, at least we were all using the same microphone. Um. That next day, I woke up with a cough. Cough didn't go away all day. We were supposed to travel uh, out of town. This was days, like days before Christmas. Mm -hmm. We were supposed to travel out of town to see my wife's grandmother. Mm -hmm. She's like, well, if you've got COVID, you can't, we can't go see grandma. I was Mm -hmm. like, okay. So I went and got tested. And sure enough, Christmas Eve, my test results come in. Congratulations. You got COVID. Christmas Eve. Yep. As when I got my test results. Mm -hmm. Um. My wife, without getting into all of her medical issues, um, has a neurological condition. Mm-hmm. So she was around me. We share a bed. She got it too. Mm-hmm. I bounced back in about three weeks. Um, this was She got it in Christmas 2020. She still has hard days. This is October 2021. Wow. She has still not fully recovered. And she means more to me than comedy. So yeah, I, you know, open mics will be there. Yeah. No, I can, I can keep writing. I can, I can keep podcasting. Yeah. Um, I've been vaccinated by the way. 
Me too. Just so you know. <laughs> yeah, fully vaxxed. If, if coming here, you know. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. Freaked you out at all? No, no, no. I, it's you know, fully vaxxed. I still had to. I still had to go to the. I'm still working in the office. Like mm-hmm. even after everything was cleared, like I still went back to work. Right. I had to stay out because there's a individual in our office who our office building mm-hmm. who's uh, who has cancer. Mm-hmm. So it's like make sure you get clearance from your doctor before you go back to work. Right. Uh, which I did. And of course, mask up all the time, mm-hmm. hand sanitizer, mm-hmm. uh, you know, try to be as conscious as I can about stuff. But in the meantime, radio rooms, dirty. <laughs> it's just, Don't they do like orgies on stage. It's just dirty. <laughs> I, yeah. I can't, I, I can't in good conscience go to radio room and then go home to my wife can't yeah, can't yeah. do it if, if anybody's um, uh watching from out of state like uh radio room is uh it's a rock I club love it it's a rock club yeah and they have rough around the edges sometimes right it's maybe a, not the most sanitary yeah <laughs> i don't know it is i mean Look, I, we're making it sound like it's, you know, like there's slime dripping off the walls. Like it's it's like not. It's, uh, what's the bar at Star Wars? A Tatooine? Oh, yeah. The Cantina. Cantina. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. But no, it's, I love that place. It's, I mean, it's no. a great place to perform. But at the end of the day, it's a bar. Yeah. Like people crowd around. Mm-hmm. They get sweaty. Yeah. They're on top of each other breathing and some people are masked. Some people are vaxxed. Not everybody. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the acts on stage. It's a lot of music. We got mm-hmm. comedians, which comedians and musicians are dirty enough. <laughs> but, like, they yeah. also have other acts that perform. And I won't speak to their level of cleanliness. But, like, look, humans, we're filthy. Right. Like, so I, I just I just can't go back yet until this thing's in our rear view. No, completely understand. So, yeah. I, I was just nudging you. No, no. And, and trust me. It, I part would, of it's I, selfish because I, I love to hang out more and also, right. you know, talk more about comedy and stuff. Yeah, and, and trust me, like I see all the I see all the ads you do with all they're friends of mine. Yeah. Like I see them all. And, you know, the I see posters on Instagram of shows coming up yeah. with my friends. And I'm like. I would absolutely love to go, mm-hmm. but I'm not gonna. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and like I said, I'll go back mm-hmm. eventually. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, I am writing. Um, you know, I've I just finished a, my first short screenplay not that long ago. Uh, with my podcast, it relies heavily on uh, some scripting from me mm-hmm. because of the nature of my podcast and what I'm doing with uh, the computer resume podcast available now, wherever you get your podcast computer. What is this one? Computer resume podcast, computer resume podcast. We are covering the entire star Trek franchise. Okay. In chronological order because I'm a sadist. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I did the math the other day uh-huh. and ran the numbers um, at the pace that I'm going. I should wrap this podcast up i should wrap up computer resume podcast just before i turn 60 (laughs) so (laughs) there's a lot of star trek out there okay Uh, but in the meantime i've had family friends comedians Mm -hmm. uh actors artists come on and we talk about star trek okay but it's very it's very loose like i was somewhere in the real world and somebody came up to me and goes, hey, I started listening to your uh, 
to your podcast. I was like, oh, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. They said, yeah, it's only kind of about Star Trek. And I was like, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. we go off uh, we go off on tangents and just. Well, that's, uh, that's helpful for me because I'm not a Trekkie. But yeah. I, there'd be it'd be accessible it's, because of the it's structured for for wannabe nerds just like you. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, and we're we're we started at the beginning of we started at the beginning of the narrative. Mm-hmm. So the first show that we're actually covering is the Scott Bakula series. Okay. From the early two thousands, which started right after nine eleven, which started like less than two weeks after nine eleven. Wow. And we're examining it. I mean, we're examining the narrative, Mm -hmm. but we're also examining like television production at that time. You know, it's, it's like, oh, it's one of the newer series. It's 20 years old. It just had its 20th anniversary. Right. So it's weird to think about it that way. Mm -hmm. And then we'll, we'll go from that to like discovery, which is practically brand new, came out within the last five years. Mm -hmm. And then we'll go to the original series from the 60s. Right, right. But yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I'm having fun with it. And mm-hmm. I'm able to I'm able to poke fun at it as much mm-hmm. as I love Star Trek. Yeah, it's ripe for jokes. So it's a self-aware analysis. Very yeah, very self-aware. That's cool. Yeah. And I like that a lot. It's my only prerequisite for people coming on the show is that you kind of like Star Trek. Okay. Or you're at least curious or about do it. homework beforehand. I mean, the only homework I ever ask of anybody is watch the episode that we're talking about. Okay. If you want to watch more than that, you're more than welcome. Yeah. Um, if you've seen it before, great. If you've never watched anything, Star Trek, that's okay too. But we're going to be talking about this one particular episode. It's 45 minutes of your life. Um, and then we'll talk for hour, hour and a half. About whatever. That's really cool. So yeah. is, you do another one too, right? I do. Cinema Shock. Yes. Is that the one? Cinema Shock, where we cover the story behind the stories. So we're we're covering. It is more focused on the production of genre films. Okay. So we just finished. Um, we just finished our series covering the director Paul Verhoeven. Do you know the name? No. Um, RoboCop. Okay. Total Recall. Uh-huh. Showgirls, Basic Instinct. Yep. Um, he's from oh, where is he from? He's not from America. Okay. Um, and his career and his films are very fascinating. A lot of religious allegory, even okay. in Showgirls. Okay. There's a lot of religious stuff in all of his films. Sure. Um, so we just finished that, and we just started our series covering the Wachowskis. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, excellent. Yeah, we started That's Matrix, right? Yeah, we started our uh, the timing of this series um by our by one of my co-hosts Justin Bishop who's kind of the the keeper of the histories mm-hmm. which uh a lot of it is coming from him. Uh he scheduled this series for us to go through the entire Wachowski uh catalog of films mm-hmm. and end with matrix four okay so that's the last thing that we will cover will be matrix four um but it's kind of cool because um so it's me um my friend justin bishop mm-hmm. who's kind of the historian uh, my friend gary horn who actually runs the he runs the social media for the national wrestling alliance oh the, wow the nwa which is really cool because yeah. like 
he has like the world heavyweight champions number in his phone and <laughs> can just call him at any time. Right. Um, and he has some Does great he live here in Greenville. Yeah. He okay. lives here in Greenville. He's got great stories. Like uh, he just came back from Louisville not that long ago. While he was in Louisville, he texted me and Justin going, uh, just so you guys know, I'm at a party with Ric Flair. <laughs> Nature boy. <laughs> and, and Billy Corrigan from Smashing Pumpkins. Because oh Billy Corrigan gosh. owns the company. Right, right. He goes, I'm at a party with Ric Flair and Billy Corrigan. What is my life? <laughs> That's amazing. And so we're all jealous of him. Anyways, yeah. so it's me, Justin, and Gary. Uh, Justin is the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, Gary is the heart. Mm-hmm. He uh, studied. He studied musical theater in college. Okay, and uh, but also has uh, the desire to know more. And I. So Justin's the brain. Gary's the heart. I'm the gut. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, what we're watching is my first time watching it. Yeah. Or first time in a long time. Okay. And so I bring the fresh perspective. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the three of us have known each other for oh, about a decade. So you got a great chemistry between yeah. the three of y'all. Yeah. That's uh, we, huge. We, we, the three of us were all in each other's That's weddings. That's so huge. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's been really good. They, they actually start... That Cinema Shock is actually the most recent version of their show mm-hmm. which we've been running for just over a year okay. on that mm-hmm. before that it was called psychotronic film society and that was two or three years and before that it was slice of fried gold okay and i was just a guest mm-hmm. i was a guest i was the reoccurring guest sure um and uh here recently we, how is we cinema shock done from a following perspective pretty good pretty good pretty good what's yeah. pretty good because i'm trying to gauge where uh. i'm <laughs> So uh, I'll tell. Okay, I'll tell you this. Um, I can't give you exact numbers of Cinema Shock. Mm-hmm. I can tell you my numbers from Computer Resume because mm-hmm. you and I have been at it for roughly the same amount of time. We were talking mm-hmm. about this earlier before we before we started rolling. Um, I started in February of this year, February of 2021. Mm-hmm. I think you just after. Aprilish, May, April, March okay. or Aprilish. Yeah. Right now, I'm looking at about. I'm a little a little over 700 downloads. What are you download number per, uh, per total, episode? Total, total. Uh, I think around a thousand. Okay, but I don't. I don't know. Is that what they show on Anchor at the top? Probably. Okay. Okay. I come. Well, I don't. I I have a hard time tracking total. Um, I think it's um twenty per to episode per episode. Um, fifty on YouTube. 50? Okay. And then cool. Twenty. Uh. 20 to 25 on anchor because you're doing the video stuff to video video. This. So I don't know how many of those are the same people or how many might Mine's... be double counting on YouTube. If I click into it for whatever reason. Okay. But, at this point, um, at this point I'm solely audio. Solely audio. audio. Yeah. Okay. So um, my audio is much lower than 700 adding together. YouTube is probably about the same when, okay. you, when you factor in. I, I, the plan is um, spoiler. Uh, the plan is, because I do have because I do have all the video content and just haven't done anything with it, I want to get to a point where I start uploading the raw video to YouTube. Okay. Um, because I shoot through Zoom, mm-hmm. so uh, I think that will be interesting because then it'll give folks kind of a chance to rediscover the mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it seems like you've been doing video and audio like from the ground running. Yeah, it's okay. a lot of it's a lot of work. I love video it's, editing. Yeah, it gets um, you in front of more people. It's uh, it's a pain. I don't. Have you done video editing before? No, no. 
Um, I'm curious I, about it. I could show you before we go. Yeah. Just a quick little thing. Sure. It's Adobe Premiere is what I use. Okay. Um, and uh, I really like editing together. The podcast clips get a little tedious, but like if you're doing something like uh, like one of your scripts or something, making mm-hmm. that into a short would be really fun. Yeah, I think so. I because you obsess over it. Once you start it, like if you know how to put the pieces together, you can't stop thinking about right how it would look in the end if I could just get it. You yeah, I, mean? I think uh, especially and again over thirty episodes. Like I used to agonize. I used to agonize over every breath taken on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Every breath, every um, mm-hmm. every you know, <laughs> the phrase you know uh, is nails on a chalkboard to me when I'm editing because I hate that because you, it can be overdone for sure. Yeah, because you say you know like the person knows, mm-hmm. the audience might not know. Don't say that. Mm-hmm. So plus, I, it's just an annoying filler that if yeah. it's repetitive, people notice. Exactly. Well, and that's the nice thing about editing. Um, as much as I have through Zoom, is I'm getting to hear all of their audio setups. Mm-hmm. Plus, I've recorded with some folks out of England, which was a scheduling nightmare. But mm-hmm. um, there's another Star Trek podcast out of England called Red Shirts. Three comedians mm-hmm. who, when the pandemic hit over there in the UK, everything shut down, mm-hmm. but they were all big Star Trek fans, so they just recorded, started recording their thoughts on Star Trek. Right. And right. they've been running they've been running for a little over a year. Okay. Um, and I've been on their show f- four times. Okay. And they each one of them came on one episode of mine. Okay. So we did a, like a little crossover. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. But Absolutely. again, scheduling. Oh. Well, I mean, we do the same thing in comedy. Yeah. Like, have you booked a lot of shows? Have you produced? Booked my own show? Yeah. No. Um, the only closest thing ki- I did was I did a mic here on the rooftop. Right. That was just for that comics and friends of comics. Sure. Okay. So I have. But um, because this is a private building, um, I couldn't. We had audience occasionally. Yeah. But it was people who just were on the roof by the pool didn't know there's going to be a show nobody complained <laughs> to the hoa thank god if anybody's watching because it wasn't clean either like we oh, oh my god man. it was open mic material all different so uh i broke my heart that i wasn't able to come to any of those shows we'll, we'll start doing it again i think well you okay good good yeah and i mean, really wanted to do those shows whether well <laughs> it looks awesome it's brutal really? in, a, in a sense okay well, for me, because it was my first time hosting. So I thought, oh, this will be like normal. And oh. then, you know, I'm in front of my friends in an outdoor open venue. And, uh, you know, you, you bomb as a host. Yeah. And it's like comedy's not really meant for outdoors. And yeah. uh, in that situation, it's Did you almost... get a lot of noise from the street? No, no. Okay, okay. I was no, wondering about not that. much. Um, and, you know, we, we had the speakers here and. It was fine. I mean, it got better, but I think I was I was taken aback by like how hard hosting is. There's a lot of stress in getting things ready, oh. getting head count before a show. Oh yeah, and all like that stuff. like hosting hosting is its own thing, separate mm-hmm. from stand up. Mm-hmm. Producing, yeah, is even is even more so because yeah. uh, before I got COVID was my big show out in Greer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Spinning Jenny? Yeah, I remember Spinning that Jenny. One. It was... Uh, did you go? Um, I don't know if I... I don't think I... I didn't go. Oh, okay. I'm a bad friend. I'm sorry. No, 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 I, no. Uh, Trust me. But I remember I we hung up, else we hung up posters in the building. I remember we had that uh, poster. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. I uh, That show was really... Gr- 
it was it was good. I learned a hell of a lot. Um, but yeah, it was an absolute nightmare to try because you got to because first of all, it's dealing with the venue because mm-hmm. I saw the venue online and just dropped the message of like, have you considered stand up comedy? They're like, no, we haven't. So right. I reached out to them and I started approaching it from like, we can have a show. Mm-hmm. Then once they say yes, OK, now I got to get a lineup together and then you start picking and choosing, which that is its own political. It's know, like, can oh, be. You, I got left out. It, or why yeah, did he? Well, I've always approached booking a show of like, okay, who haven't I worked with in a while? Mm-hmm. Um, who's never been on one of my shows before? Mm-hmm. Who's funny? Right. Primarily, who's funny? Yeah, right. And then once I book two or three, and I try to, I try to structure a show so that there's somebody for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, Walk into an open mic, you're going to see a dozen dudes that look just like us yeah, with yeah. questionable facial hair <laughs> talking about their daddy issues. That's yeah. that's 90% of open mics. Right. So I always try to mix it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. We've got a nice, I think we've got a nice cross section here in Greenville that I can have a pretty diverse show mm-hmm. um, and switch it up every single time. Right. Um, I was able to call in a few out of towners mm-hmm. who at the time stuff was starting to shut down and they were like, I haven't been doing anything. Yes. If you, if you buy me a chicken biscuit, I will be there. Right. Um, so I got, I got some folks Mm -hmm. to show up for next to nothing. Now Mm -hmm. I took care of them. Right. But like, yeah, you can book a show Mm -hmm. and, but you know, a lot of things can fall apart. Yeah. Doing it. That show was actually two shows back to back. It was a Mm -hmm. 7 PM and a 9 PM, but there was no sort of crowd control. So, yeah. People just were in and out the bar in the back. People were getting way too drunk and way too loud. So you needed, you needed a little muscle to needed a little muscle. And it was yeah. me and, um, blonde's honest truth. Uh, Amelia Maccabee. Oh yeah. yeah. She, she shadowed me cause she was about to start doing her own shows. Mm-hmm. And I said, Hey, you want to crash course and producing a show? Why right. don't you come shadow me? And she ended up being my second set of hands and she was great. Mm-hmm. I think she learned a lot. And, uh, we talked at great length about all the things that come with producing a show. So yeah. if I, if I were to do it again, mm-hmm. I would choose one thing to do. Either okay. I am performing mm-hmm. or I am hosting or, or I am producing. producing. Not all three. I will never, do all three ever sure. again i i can't it's just too much and too much slips through the cracks because yeah. if you're producing on an independent level like we are mm-hmm. if you're producing it's you yeah you're steering the ship yeah the poster the poster looks great i made that yeah <laughs> like yeah I booked the venue. I booked the comedians. I mm-hmm. set up the merch tables. I set up the tables and chairs. Like I'm getting exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so much work. And people think, well, I've been at this for six weeks. Netflix ought to be calling me any minute. Yeah. No. No. And when I hear that, I'm always, well, good for you. Yeah. Congratulations. I hope everything works out for you. As soon yeah. as they walk away, it's like. Bless their heart. Like, mm. oh man, they are in for a rude awakening. Sure. Some people, lightning strikes. Mm-hmm. And good for them. People we know. Mm-hmm. Good for them. Yeah. I'll never speak ill, but like, right. there's a reason 
There is a reason Taylor Tomlinson is on as many podcasts as she is. And there are other comedians who aren't. Taylor Tomlinson has the respect of the road dogs. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think, wow, quarter quarter life crisis, man, she came out of the gate. You know, she hit with a bang. Mm -hmm. She's been doing it since she was 12. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. like she's been at this for at least a decade before the Netflix special. Uh So when, you know, when she talks to these guys who've got 10, 15, 20, 30 years, like, She's earned that respect. Mm-hmm. Not every A-lister comedian has done that. Right. Um, Recognizable names. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting the respect that comes with like just the miles on you as a comic. Um, oh, yeah. That's a it, real thing. It teaches, you know, anybody can do it once. Mm-hmm. Anybody can do it once. It, you know, it's five minutes of your life. Mm-hmm. Get up there, talk about your life for a few minutes. You might get some chuckles. Mm-hmm. Good for you. You checked it off your bucket list and we'll never see you again. <laughs> yeah. The real test is see you next week. Yeah. And if they say yes, okay. Yeah. And if they do it again and again mm-hmm. and again, and here we are, you've uh-huh. been at it for over a year. Mm-hmm. I'm staring down the barrel of five. Yeah. Um, it's cool. But you got to keep that in your head. Like again, to come back to comedians and cars getting coffee, mm-hmm. Jerry's discussion with Judd Apatow should be standard mm-hmm. for anyone who thinks they're going to try stand up comedy mm-hmm. because he said, and I've, I've said it to so many people. I'm like, look, this is not my words. This is coming from a professional mm-hmm. who's been in the industry on. What did he say? He said, you're not going to be good at this for seven years. Yeah. And that's an average mm-hmm. Kevin Hart. It took him a decade to become an overnight success. Right. I, you know, mm-hmm. start pull up anybody's numbers. They were no names until they caught their break. And it right. was usually about a decade in mm-hmm. seven years is optimistic. Yeah. The net, the people who get the Netflix specials pull up their IMDb sometime, right? Pull up their Wikipedia. Look at all the festivals. Sure. Look at all the shows they've been on, all mm-hmm. the podcasts they've been on before they got to the thing where you noticed them. Right. Usually Netflix. Netflix mm-hmm. is kind of the stereotypical bar yeah. nowadays. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, is your thing on Netflix? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it, you know, Jen Snyder. Have you worked with Jen Snyder yet? I've, yeah, I've met her. I haven't worked with her. Jen much. is a brilliant comedian. Mm-hmm. She's been cranking at this thing for a while. Right. She doesn't have a Netflix special, so a Mm -hmm. lot of people don't know who she is. Mm -hmm. See her perform one time. You will not forget her. Mm -hmm. She's amazing. Right. Um, Robin Scott, Adam Schulte. We we perform with so many Mm -hmm. of these people, like, and they're phenomenal artists. Mm -hmm. Really, really talented. Yep. Um, And just because we come from Podunk, South Carolina, doesn't mean we can't make it big. Rory right. Scovel. Yeah. Rory. Aziz Ansari. We're from Aziz, South Carolina. We're, I don't know Aziz was from here. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, he's uh lower part of the state. I forget okay. I forget the name of the city, but yeah. I gotcha. Um it's cool, like the see you next week thing. Um you never met Whitney Rayner, did you? No, unfortunately. She's, I think she started this year. Maybe shortly after you took a break, but um, it was a really cool send off for her last Wednesday. Um, 
it was her. It was her. It was her leaving town roast. Yeah, Yeah, Adam surprised her, (laughs) but it was it was interesting because I hadn't laughed that hard in a very long time at all of the comics. You know, more so than we do at our usual acts. Yeah, what felt like was. The people that had been coming week in and week out, we had just seen each other so many times that the jokes were personal. They were savage and mean. <laughs> they were horrible. But there was so much like love in the room that like it was just a really memorable night. So I think for the people that do stick it out and and, and come out, like it's a really cool community too. Oh yeah, and it's important to like enjoy that. I think because, like I said, the destination. It may be a long way off, if not never, of a Netflix special or like anything. Oh yeah, so it's definitely the journey. Yeah, one of the best, um, one of the best roast jokes I ever heard was a roast of Adam Schulte. Really? Yeah, and there was was there was a comedian (laughs) who uh, is no longer performing, but he had this one joke about Adam, and I hesitate to say it. Well, I just I'll just go ahead and say it. Um, his joke was, and this is not me. Uh, this is coming from somebody else. I'll, I'll keep their name to myself to uh, to preserve their anonymity. But he said, "Adam Schulte kind of makes you wish Hitler had tried just a little harder." <laughs> <laughs> I I remember the first, I, and I saw a video clip of it. This was, it was before I got started, but I saw a video clip of it, and I don't normally audibly react uh-huh. to stand up. Uh-huh. That got a very loud oh shit yeah. out of me i was oh shit yeah. <laughs> but it was it's a it's a very well crafted one-liner of just mm-hmm. brutal brutal yeah. joke and yeah it's i haven't done any roasts i'm hesitant to they yeah. i've heard enough behind the scenes of kind of like what it takes to do a good roast yeah. and i don't think i have that skill set yet i don't either i'm not good at it my yeah. enjoyment of that night was watching the other people my my stuff was whatever but you know and a lot of was a lot about... of that stuff is a lot of that stuff can come off as fairly boilerplate of like sure if the person's not skinny okay they're a fat tub of lard yeah you know if it's a female okay we'll call them a slut for an hour yeah like, exactly you sure. know all right all right that's you know, but it's the folks that know you best who can kind right. of zero in on one particular thing um mm-hmm. I, I agree think, totally i think that's where jeff ross nikki glazer really shine because well first of all they're brilliant comedians and uh, amazing writers mm-hmm. um and their performance is spot on obviously it better be they're professionals mm-hmm. um but uh here more recently watching nikki glazer uh you can find best of nikki glazer roasting whoever mm-hmm. on YouTube uh, just she zeroes in on certain aspects of these celebrities. Mm-hmm. I think her stuff about Alec Baldwin just consistent. I can watch it over and over again and it consistently makes me laugh. Yeah. Her saying her, her talking about Alec Baldwin's wife and saying she's gorgeous does getting yelled at burn calories? I'm like, <laughs> fuck, that's funny. <laughs> fuck, that's so funny. Like Baldwin. Oh my god. But yeah, you know, 
I think there's a lot of different aspects of comedy that, you know, and I've been talking about this since the beginning, since we started recording, that lend themselves so well to other areas of entertainment. Mm -hmm. And you look at the best, most versatile comics are the ones who can who can lead a writer's room, who mm -hmm. can produce a show or mm -hmm. a film or turn and deliver an incredibly dramatic performance in, yeah. in an Oscar-winning film. Mm -hmm. Robin Williams. Right, right, right. Brilliant performer. Comedy aside, brilliant performer sure. and so intelligent. Right. Um, yeah, it's no wonder he was able to knock it out of the park consistently mm -hmm. for the better part of his career. Like, right. Yeah, he was brilliant. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I I haven't yet heard anyone say, "Oh, he's the next Robin Williams." You're not going to hear that phrase, right? Not for, not for a while, anyway. Mm -hmm. No doubt. <laughs> but some of those roasts are great. Um, it's kind of fun to watch some of the older roasts. Mm -hmm. You know, the Dean Martin, Carol Burnett. Oh man, seek them out because okay. you're talking about the golden age. You're talking about the golden age of television. The mm -hmm. golden age of comedy where television television at the time was a step above a stage play right they just put cameras up and filmed it mm -hmm. um so a lot of the folks That's at that time yeah. the older performers at that time were from vaudeville yeah who knew how to tell jokes but also could sing and dance and juggle and do all kinds of stuff. vaudeville is as a definition, I've heard that vaudeville comedian, does that mean like more of a variety show act that can do more than just... Uh... Vaudeville itself was a variety act. I think the closest the closest thing that we have to vaudeville nowadays is a late night talk show mm -hmm. um, where you've got, okay, we've got an actor, we've got a comedian, and... Here performing their latest single is whatever band you've mm -hmm. got. Um, in terms of the variety arts, I think it's down to two. Mm -hmm. Stand-up comedy and professional wrestling. Okay. <laughs> and to a degree, and to a degree, um, magic. Okay. You know, the uh, classical uh, magician. Um, those are, you know, every, every, you know, any sort of music performance they went into the music industry mm -hmm. and the music industry has changed a lot right. from vaudeville to today mm -hmm. um <clears throat> stunt performers who did you know a lot of pratfalls and stuff like that mm -hmm. they either became known as physical comedic actors mm -hmm. <coughs> or they went into the stunt industry okay. and became stunt performers <clears throat> so you know in terms of like I said, the vaude, you know, the vaudevillian arts, you've got in in their truest forms, in their most unchanged forms. The the most unchanged is stand up comedy and wrestling, right? Professional wrestling, because I mean, a lot of the terms in professional wrestling still refer to vaudeville, like a mark. You right. know, it's someone you pick in a crowd mm -hmm. and then you're playing to them or they uh you're using them as a as a plant. It's all that's all from vaudeville. Right. Um the the comedian uh I thought of when I brought that up was T J Miller. Have you seen his act? 
Uh, it's been a while, but yeah, I'm very familiar with TJ. Yeah, he. Uh, we actually got a chance to to speak after his show, and uh, he said his style. He wants to be somewhat of a vaudeville comedian, and he incorporates juggling with his act, incorporates um, props. Um, it's a lot more than just what I expected, which was traditional stand-up. Yeah, I think a lot of people. It's so funny. I mean, we just. We just talked about Robin Williams, but I still feel like people are trying, to, still trying to be the next Andy Kaufman. Mm. Uh, very much um, man on the moon. Yes, a song. He was a song and dance man, mm-hmm. um, but he played with the crowds. He played with the crowds' emotions. Like mm-hmm. he played the villain more often than not because it definitely got a rise out of people. Mm-hmm. The stuff that he was performing wasn't traditionally funny mm-hmm. outside of him and Bob Zamuda, his right. writer and anybody else who happened to be in on the joke, which was, um, his agent, uh, George Shapiro. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, anybody else who like closely, closely worked with him, like Jerry Lawler. Right. He worked very closely. I didn't know with George Jerry. Shapiro represented Andy Kaufman. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. George He's- Shapiro's had a very interesting career. If you ever look at the documentary about Seinfeld, mm-hmm. I have um, seen it called Comedian. Comedian. Um, he plays he plays a pretty big role. Oh in that yeah, because no um, when he's when Jerry's wrestling with building his new act, yeah, George is right there encouraging him, giving him feedback, uh-huh. um, and he confides in him. Yeah, which says a lot. I don't think Jerry is that vulnerable to a lot of people. So right. Plus, you get to see him take on a new client in Orny Adams. Orny Adams. Yeah, which, which is, I did not find likable in that documentary. Um, but you know, I like him more now. <laughs> yeah, he he because I had seen I had seen him perform on Letterman long before I saw the the documentary. The documentary, because mm-hmm. um, again, I kind of grew up on Letterman. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he the way that he is portrayed in the documentary is not exactly in a favorable light no but i think that's who he was yeah at the, at time. the time yeah he was yeah. he was hungry very break hungry. and uh yeah a little entitlement i thought I sure mean, what a, who the hell am i again but you know well it's we all experience it right. we all experience it of like i you know it's still a little grating to me when i talk about people coming on my show <laughs> like <laughs> I'm yeah. like, oh, that sounds like such a douchey thing. I agree I was like, too. When you when you asked me, I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Well, you, it's, you, let's said, yeah. let's just go ahead and address the elephant in the room. How long were you going to wait before you asked me to be on your show, motherfucker? Dude, people say I was that. one of the first people you met in comedy. I I am shocked. True or false? Yeah, absolutely. And you've been at this for how long? Well, see, you'll know. And how long have we been following each other on social media? It's only because the defense rests. Travis had the same <laughs> question, and Jess Cooley had the same question. And I was like, guys, I was nervous to ask anyone who's been doing it longer. <laughs> and it's just, uh, yeah, I hopefully that's more flattering than offensive because I just was like, you don't want to be on this stupid ass show. <laughs> so I, I am like really excited look, that you wanted to. So. Look, man, I have sent. For my Star Trek show, uh-huh. I have sent invites to everyone from cosplayers, and this is not a joke. I have sent invites to everyone from cosplayers to Barack Obama. <laughs> 
Barack Obama has an open invitation to come on <laughs> my Star Trek podcast because my wife, my wife uh, listened to Michelle's book, uh-huh. and and at one point she mentions uh, she mentions uh, Barack interacting with uh, Michelle Nichols, mm-hmm. who played Ohura in the original series, mm-hmm. and he mentioned being a big fan of Star Trek, yeah. and I was like. I think I have to ask the former president of the United States to be on my show. <laughs> I'm going to start asking more people. This has inspired Look, me. Worst case scenario, they don't respond. Right. Middle of the road, they say no. Mm-hmm. And someone says, the best case scenario, they say yes. Mm-hmm. And that's that's great. Now, mm-hmm. once they say yes, you've got your own issues there of like, Scheduling, be, yeah, and uh, you and know, I better be damn ready if that if that big name. Oh sure, like I was talking with someone who had a, a separate pop culture podcast, and they living here on the West Coast mm-hmm. or on the East Coast. Where am I? Mm-hmm. East Coast. And on one episode, they had somebody on the West Coast, and they also had somebody in England. Mm-hmm. That's a big time gap. So. Yeah. Good luck with the scheduling. Right, like, schedule, right. I, I've been on podcasts with folks out of California uh, a couple times. I actually got to talk with um, Jeff Dye, okay. uh, comedian Jeff Dye, mm-hmm. who absolute sweetheart of guy. Very, very funny. Love him to death. Um, but yeah, it, dude's busy. Mm-hmm. Like. For sure. We got to make sure we schedule this stuff out. Mm-hmm. I, you kind of have to look at it like you're planning a wedding <laughs> of like of all the invites you send out, 50% will respond mm-hmm. and then 50% of that will actually show up. Right. That's kind of the numbers you have to have in your head. Sure. Um, I'm in the Star Trek podcast now, Computer Resume podcast, available now wherever you get your podcast. <laughs> um I've gotten to a point where I'm reaching out to other shows okay, and booking their hosts okay, as like, Hey, let's collab. Sure. You know, let's get together and we'll do a cross promotion. I'll come on your show. You come on my show. Mm-hmm. It's mutually beneficial right? because they'll get what small sliver of the audience I have. Sure. Hopefully I get a piece of theirs too. Right. Right. Um, you know, so you kind of have to structure it that way. Yep. Like, Making sure this stuff is beneficial. That's mm-hmm. that's what people respond to. Yeah. When they see the value of it, they're like, oh, this is probably something I should jump on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go for it. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it. I've, I've always been asking for forgiveness rather yeah. than permission. Sure. I'm the Just same way. go ahead and get the cease and desist letter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fire up your cease and desist letter and send it to me. Right. That's when I'll stop. Right. You know, and you know, other than that, you know, just do it, you know, play it for laughs, mm-hmm. have fun with it, man. Yeah. And it seems like that's what you're doing here. Yeah. So it it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we'll have to talk a little bit later off mic. Cause I want to ask you a couple of, very specific personal comedy questions, but, uh, <laughs> okay. What? I don't you know. Ask if, it on here if you want. I don't, I don't know that you've, uh, told me what, so you mentioned getting called to comedy zone. Like, was it a friend? Ellen Maloney. Do you remember her? Ellen Maloney. She had been doing stand up out in Denver and then, um, 
I met her here at Smiley's down at the end of town. And mm-hmm. then um, I was here for work. I wasn't living here at the time, but I was covering uh, hospitals up here. And uh, she introduced herself and she said, I do comedy. And she said, I'm a comedian. And I was like, oh my gosh, you do com-. Like, I didn't even know that was possible. Nice. It's similar to what Jess Cooley said, like, oh, stand-up comedy exists, but where do you get started? I didn't know. So she was the first connection I had and I wasn't even brave enough to, I was just wanting to follow her I wasn't even brave enough to say do you think I could maybe try that and <laughs> yeah. then when I finally was brave enough to voice that to her um, it was July last year uh, I was coming back from an in-service at a hospital and she texted me I'm going to Comedy Zone uh, Thursday night do you want to come and that was the text nice. so um, yeah. you, you know you have to print that and frame it I should I, I don't know if it's still Oh, you still got it. Digital stuff lasts I can get forever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what we're planning on doing for, um, I work at a law firm mm-hmm. and recently our law firm got its first one star review. Okay. Um, so the plan is between me and the other paralegal is we're going to get, um, the one star review yeah. printed and in a nice frame mm-hmm. and wrap it up and give it to our boss for Christmas. I like that. That's really yeah, cool. Give it to him for Just Christmas. Just give me an idea. There's one thing I do want to frame. Uh, Norm MacDonald tweeted at me in January. I saw that. Oh, my yeah. God. I wanted yeah. to frame that one. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. That meant the world to me. And, uh, you know. It's those little things, man. Mm-hmm. It's That's why, like, I... Because you never know what sort of interaction, you know, mm-hmm. is going to mean so much to you so much to somebody else. Mm-hmm. I'm very much, I, I'm, I'm a pretty open book. Mm-hmm. I will talk to anybody, um, at any length of time. If you want to talk, you want to talk comedy. I'm there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You want to talk comic books? Mm-hmm. I'm there. Star Trek. Come on my show. Right. Like, yeah, absolutely. I'm game. Sure. Cause I mean, you just, you just never know. Like, mm-hmm. Go up and ask for the photo. Go up mm-hmm. and ask for the signature. Mm-hmm. Hey, can I ask you a question about performing in comedy? Mm-hmm. You know, just just fucking ask them. Yeah. Because like most of the time when I met, when I met um, Eric Roberts, mm-hmm. uh, he was working on a film set here in town and I was playing background. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I saw the movie and I am cut out of all of it. <laughs> <laughs> No, no. If you know where to look, you can see me. But anyway, I got to hang out with him for three yeah. days on the set. We uh-huh. talked about everything. The uh-huh. dude, the dude was in Dark Knight. Right, right, right. He acted across from Heath Ledger as Joker. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm gonna talk to this dude. Uh-huh. I'm gonna talk to him a lot. Wait, which character is he? I'm sorry, I didn't know. He the name. plays. He plays um, Maroney. He plays the. He plays the yeah. boss. Yeah, it was Ramirez. That guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's the guy uh Batman drops off of a fire escape like if three stories gonna, up. Yeah, if you're gonna try to intimidate somebody, yeah. pick a better pick, spot. Pick a better spot. I talked to him and I didn't wanna because I'm a huge Batman fan. Uh-huh. Huge Batman fan. But I didn't want to spend like all my time talking to him on that. Right. But I did I watched I'm on set and I see some PA go over to him and lean into his ear and go, it was Ramirez. <laughs> I'm like, you asshole. Don't, don't quote the guy's movie to oh him. Like, don't do that. Yeah. But I was like, okay, but you know what? He got to have his little moment with Eric Roberts. Uh-huh. Great. Um, later, uh, I got to, you know, standing next to Eric for a shot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I said, Hey, look, 
I gotta tell you, Batman fan from the word go, like from a little kid to today, uh-huh. I have a tattoo. <laughs> if that tells you, he's like, oh, okay. And I was like, when I saw you sitting behind the table in the courtroom scene, I was like, he nailed it. Uh-huh. And he's like, thank you. Like you could tell he was like uh-huh. genuinely touched by it. He was yeah. like, thank you so much. I really, because he gets the thing quoted to him all the time, but nobody's uh-huh. like, Dude, it really, you really nailed it. You really rocked. And then, you know, tell him that stuff. Yeah. Later, you know, while we're there on set, I was like, hey, look, a friend of mine would absolutely lose her mind if I got a signed picture. Uh-huh. Do you mind? <laughs> he goes, absolutely not. I would absolutely, yes, uh-huh. in a heartbeat. He goes, I love that celebrity shit. Right, right, right. right, right. That's cool. Yeah. It's, it's nice to he's, know here's he's celebrity a, does He like is it. a working actor. Uh-huh. Like, so, and he, chance he gets to do that sort of thing right absolutely right. i grabbed a selfie with him he mm-hmm. was super nice about it mm-hmm. um but like when he's working he's working like mm-hmm. and i've had to do that a couple times like before a show after a show i will talk with someone at great length mm-hmm. but the way i approach comedy very I, I think i approach it very academically mm-hmm. um analyzing the structure of bits and all that stuff mm-hmm. when the show is going on if i'm watching someone don't talk to me right 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 i've had i've had to to people we know yeah have had to go yeah you know and yeah just, and that's like, respect that's out of respect yeah. for the performer you, you don't yeah. I've I, there's been a couple times where the person is right here and i've had to grab their head and turn it towards the stage right, right. like that's happening right for now. sure for sure <laughs> but it's you know and again it's just because i take it as seriously as I do, mm-hmm. maybe too seriously, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, yeah, it's supposed to be fun too, Todd. It's supposed to be fun. <laughs> I've heard, I've heard it's supposed to be fun, but, uh, <laughs> I haven't gotten all the, I've had, I haven't gotten all the evidence in yet. We're, yeah. we're still, we're still forming our opinion about whether or not stand up comedy is fun. Yeah. I can remember the Titan scene. Do you think football is still fun? No. Well, no. <laughs> Zero fun, sir. So I've seen I've seen some photos around your place. You're a football guy. Did you yeah. play? Did you yeah, play I in college? Football. Yeah, I played in college. You played, played in college? Oh two. man, Division two. So not uh, anything crazy, but yeah. Um, and I coached a little bit at the high school level in Charlotte oh, cool. for defensive line and linebackers. That's I played. Uh, I played defensive line in high school. Hell yeah. Um, and a couple of buddies of mine did go on to play college ball. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a different world, man. Oh yeah, college is a big commitment. Um, do you have um? Do you have any lasting injuries, lasting scars, mental or otherwise? Bad back. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure I got concussed a bunch of times. And neck didn't didn't get diagnosed. Nothing neck. I was lucky. I I never missed a game. What was your Very position? Rarely missed defensive end. Oh okay. Um, I was nose guard. Nose guard. Yeah, okay. right across from the ball. Yeah, yeah. I played Mike linebacker. Nice. Um, when I came in. Which was kind of cool. It's like the quarterback of the defense. You call yeah. out the, the oh, scheme. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then they moved me to defensive end. They were the ones slapping my butt, telling me to move over. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Boom. Move to your yeah. left. Yeah. Move to your right. You're, stunting, you're, you're lining up the defense. You're watching the scheme. You're pass coverage and do both. So I started at Mike Linebacker my third year and then uh, loved it. And then my uh, we graduated our stud All-American defensive end. And they said, David, we got to get you to move down there and play that position. So... I started at defensive end two years, but didn't know what I was doing um, because that's not a position to easily master. You, if you know martial arts, I do. Pass rush is like martial arts, um, very much, and, and, and hands and stuff. Oh yeah, I, I got that. to put my, I got to put my hand 
my handwork, my footwork, and my flexibility to mm-hmm. use, even as a nose guard. Sure. As I was, I was the arguably the most flexible person on the, on yep. the field. Yep. But it was great because I could bounce off of people mm-hmm. um, and hit the ground, pop up, and keep running. Right. Um, right. Attention did, to detail and pass rush and defensive line technique is so important. Um, oh yeah, and the film study was the biggest difference between high school and college. Oh like, You spent so much time in the classroom analyzing your step, like you rewind, play, rewind, yep. replay. You, that step is six inches too long. Yep. Shorten it. Your pad level, your hands. Oh yeah, you, you didn't use this move. You could have like he, you didn't notice he opened himself up for that. There's so much going on in a football field. I could go on forever with that, but um, yeah, I remember because I I would always. My three-point stance was horrible, <laughs> horrible, yeah. because I would crouch like a coiled snake. You're right. Yeah, that's because not good. that's what I knew from karate. That's that's yeah. how we do. Uh-huh. So I would crouch and then spring up that way instead yeah. of starting up and going straight forward. Yeah. Um, Coaching a football team is one of the most all-engrossing jobs. Oh, um, I mean, that's why it's divided up into you know special, teams yeah, and, yeah, special uh, sections, yeah, mm-hmm. and. Uh, in position group. Have um, you ever considered uh have you ever considered sports writing? No, not really. <laughs> sports writing? Here's so writing creative stories about sports? No. Like cover oh. like covering sports. No. Have Why? not. Why not? I don't know if I'd find it that interesting. Okay. Cuz I'm writing about other people that I don't know. I guess if I was really invested in the team, if I was like a local writer. Here's here's in the I, people. I did sports writing for one season. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Uh, I covered a local high school on Friday night. Okay, and I covered a local Division Two. That would be fun. That would be really fun. High school. I high take it back. I was visualizing like writing for the NFL. I'm like, eh, eh, no, 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 no. I covered local high school Friday nights, and then would cover Division Two, mm-hmm. um, North Greenville University. Mm-hmm. I covered them on Saturdays mm-hmm. when they. I covered their home games because mm-hmm. they're because uh, their uh, stadium is very close to my house. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was for a local place. Uh, it was for a local uh, news outlet here in town, Greer, Greer Today. Mm-hmm. Just an online. It's it's little more than a blog. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got in the way, kind of the way you do comedy. Right, right. I just called up the school and was like, hey, I want to write. Dude, you're hilarious. Yeah. This is I how just, you get all hey, your- I want to write. Can I come sit in the press box? They're like, right. yeah. Yeah. More, it, like if you've ever gone to a game and thought, oh man, I'd really like to sit in the press box, ask them. Yeah. They might say yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I did that for high school, which high school around here, it can be a little dodgy of like, you might have a chair to sit in, you know, mm-hmm. you might have a good view of the field. Maybe mm-hmm. that's not what we're really Are you following on. one team or multiple teams. I would usually do the one team. Yeah, that that to me would be more enjoyable. Um, Going deep, it's a little it. easier to keep track of. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it depends on your prep work. You can actually mm-hmm. prep the week before, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but then Division Two covering North Greenville, totally different ball game, mm-hmm. even from the press side. Like this here, is how here's, I am here's the, the local elevator. football scene. So North Greenville is D two here in town. There's yeah. a D two school. Mm-hmm. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah. Their team's not bad. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're not gonna. See them, you know, headline anything on ESPN or anything like that. But mm-hmm. they have, have a they solid made the program. Have they made the D two playoffs? Yes, the year I was the year I was covering them, they made the playoffs. Okay, and which, that was a which, lot of for fun. People who don't know, making the D two playoffs is very challenging. It's very hard. There's yeah. 
you basically have to go undefeated or, or one or maybe two losses. The only people, the only school that I saw dominate them was the Citadel. Okay. And it was kind of like, uh, yeah, it's the Citadel. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Because I watched, I watched a running back and it, uh, it was a, or no, excuse me, a Citadel wide receiver. Mm-hmm versus a North Greenville defensive back. Okay. And they took off running. Uh-huh. And wide receivers looking, looking for the catch. It lands in his hands perfectly. Uh-huh. And then he started running. <laughs> like he caught the ball and it was like afterburners engaged. Right. Like boom, he took off. And I was just like, oh, he dusted that dude. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's it's the Citadel. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. They're they're training to dodge bullets, mm-hmm. like <laughs> and mortar the, the fire. Level, the level of separation uh, among athletes is interesting because mm. you see it coming up. I remember in high school there was a guy Ronald Johnson who ended up playing for the the Eagles and the Niners for a while. Nice. I was my freshman year. We played against him, and we had this whole defense set up, and we thought, okay, we're going to stop this quarterback. And he took the ball, just ran around the end. For a touchdown, like we we didn't even know what happened. We were like, "Holy shit!" Like it was like. <laughs> and then there was another guy, That's Terrence awesome. Taylor, who played for Michigan. I I don't know if he played in the NFL, but uh, yeah, he ate my lunch a few times because I played quarterback in high school. But oh wow, uh, but yeah, just j- there's there's you know before like everybody's kind of like at this level, and then there's these these guys that are just way above and separate, and that even happens in college at the D one level, you know. I feel like the there's a lot of separation between the Alabamas, the Ohio States, the Clemsons. Oh, sure. You know, and then everybody else. Yeah. Um, that's why I love the NFL, because everybody's at the top. And Everybody. it's like a war. Yeah. Well, let me further sell you on sports writing. Okay. Because <laughs> honestly, even though I only did it for a season, it was the best thing I could have done. Uh-huh. And here's why. Um, you're on the clock. Mm-hmm. Like... You got to pay attention mm-hmm. and that 300, 350 words has to be ready fast and it's got to be good. Right. So you're getting there. You're getting your spot. You were, I was, I was the only guy in the press box handwriting score, mm-hmm. like keeping track of every single play handwritten mm-hmm. high school. You kind of have to do it that way. Mm-hmm. Division two they have official stat keepers. They have official team. stat keepers. And at one point I felt a tap on my shoulder and it was this little girl going, here you go. Handing me this big stack of papers. I was like, what's this? She goes, the first half. I was like, I'd always get well, mad. Thank you. I'd always get pissed <laughs> off at the stat keepers. Cause I'd finish a game and I'd be like, okay, I had four and a half tackles and one, two tackles. And they'd be like, they shorted me. Like I had the, like who gets credit for a tackle. Oh yeah. Area. Um, but all that but to yeah. say, like, you're going to be sitting in a box with a couple of seasoned veterans uh-huh. who are, you know, steadily cranking it out for right. either Greenville News or Spartanburg Herald or where, wherever. Mm-hmm. But like to sit next to them and crank something out quickly mm-hmm. and OK, it's fourth quarter with how much left to go. Mm-hmm. OK, I'm going to pack up and go down for the interview. Right. And then try to go grab the star player, grab the coach get a couple words, mm-hmm. you know, whip out the phone, mm-hmm. get a couple words recorded and then go back to your laptop. You know, the, and I, when is it due? It's due. 
more more times than not, I would look at who another veteran writer who was sitting in the press box with me, mm-hmm. and and I would go, "When's your deadline?" And they would go, "About twenty minutes ago." Holy shit! Yeah, so I'm talking like fast. So like eleven so, o'clock p.m. Oh yeah, or earlier it's, maybe. Yeah, if the game a game starts at seven or eight, game's over by ten or eleven. Mm-hmm. Like at at most, a generous deadline is midnight. Like that's very generous. Wow. Um, But once you do that, a lot of the hard writing assignments or showing up to take notes on a thing Mm -hmm. like is not a big deal. You probably become better at filtering relevant data. This is important. Write it down. Mm -hmm. This is important. Write it down. Does it help with comedy? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Think on the fly Mm -hmm. and just keep, Okay, and to and to stay with the play, like don't get distracted because they're gonna snap the ball in thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to be ready. Mm-hmm. So you know, with comedy, I'm sure everyone has loved our football discussion so far, <laughs> but we are going to bring it back into comedy. I promise. Um, to bring it back into comedy, being able to pay attention to the room, mm-hmm. which means you have to know your material. Mm-hmm. not even looking at a set list. Cause you know, I usually worked off a set list. Right. Right. If I was working new material, like it was written out word for word, but like the bits, I have my bits in one in word. word. That's how I have it. Yeah. Typically. So I've got the set list and I've structured it so that I can glance at the set list. Yeah. And yeah, not exactly. go over and what yeah. is it? No. Yeah. People write their words that big. No, write them really big. Just put the paper where the audience can't see. Right. Um, but anyways, Knowing your material lets you pay attention to the audience. Mm-hmm. So if someone reacts too much or doesn't react enough, according mm-hmm. to you, you mm-hmm. can address it. Mm-hmm. You know, you might get a laugh there, mm-hmm. then move on, get back into your stuff and being able I to could just, see how that definitely sharpens you. Yeah. And just think on your feet. Mm-hmm. Plus going down to get the interview kind of eliminates fear of like yeah. this person's gigantic and might eat me, but yeah. like, I'm going to ask them like, so what did you think about when you got the ball in your hand and you ran to the field? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, it eliminates that. Mm-hmm. So when you come up, when you meet a, a Mark Norman or a Lewis black, you can mm-hmm. go, Hey, can I ask you a couple questions? Yeah. You know, yeah. and there's just no, there's no fear. There's no mm-hmm. fan boy, like giddiness that, you yeah. know, you're approaching it as like, Hey, I want to learn something from you. Sure. I may not be a peer, but mm-hmm. I'd like to be, mm-hmm. and I just want to look, you're the expert. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to ask you, most people really respect that for sure. This person recognizes and they're not all <laughs> like, don't be like that. Just, <laughs> just, just, I get like that. just look, they are a human for, being. They put their pants on one no, leg at a time. Sure. Just ask, ask your question for sure. It's when you start, it's when you start, huh, 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 they lose interest and they're gone. Yeah. But yeah, just, Hey, can I ask you about comedy mm-hmm. and just, yeah, mm-hmm. just go with it like that. Sp- do it for a season. Yeah. I started like, I actually put myself through training mm-hmm. before I did the season. Okay. Cause you can find full games on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So I would pull up a game and just hit play with the rule of like, I'm not allowed to press pause. Right. And just. Do it exactly like you're going to do it. Pay attention to the names. Pay attention to the number. Roster, number. Watch the, yeah, look at what you're doing. Look Mm -hmm. at what's going on and Mm -hmm. just keep writing, keep writing, keep writing. And then when the game's over, close that out, open up Microsoft Word and like, okay, I've got 30 minutes. 
300, 350 words, you're good to go. Mm -hmm. If you can stick it in some stats, great. If you can address an injury that happened last week or, hey, we're going across town, you know, or we're going to, you know, to this other state next week Mm -hmm. and it's the, it's going to be available here for you to watch. All right, great. Yeah. And a lot of those guys do color commentary for the games too. Like, did they start as, what do they call it? Beat writers? Yeah, or? a lot of them. Yeah, a lot of them have a beat. You know what I mean? We're talking. We're talking uh, Division One. We're talking the pros. You yeah, know? yeah. That's I, what I'm thinking. Because I sent. I I called up Clemson. Mm-hmm. Hey, can I come? They're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll make ESPN slide down so you can fit in to sit there for Greer today. Like, uh-huh. yeah, okay. But you know, ask uh-huh. Furman. Same thing. I got the same thing from Furman. They have a couple more hoops to jump through. Uh-huh. But you know. Start calling around to some high schools, some t- Division Two. Yeah, they're down. And then you just, uh, yeah, I made my own press credentials. How much work does it take outside of just the game day? Outside of game day? Not much. Not much? Okay. Yeah. That I, would be a deal breaker somewhat in terms of like, okay, I'm let, trying to pick and choose. Like, let's say you're covering <laughs> high school, which high school's Friday. Yeah. College is Saturday. Uh-huh. It's been that way forever. Uh-huh. I would prep for the high school game on Thursday uh-huh. or I might prep for the high school game on Wednesday and prep for the college on Thursday. Okay. So now I've got whatever notes I'm taking, be it rosters, injuries, whatever's going on in the news mm-hmm. regarding this team or players or coaches or staff, yep. whatever's happening, I've got my notes set, ready to go. Mm-hmm. I'll even I'll even draft up some headlines. Right. I'll even draft up like Clemson wins versus but I'll you know, I'll come up with like a clever pun or mm-hmm. some sort of literation that's snappy that mm-hmm. an editor loves. Yeah. Come up with some of those so that when you're done with your article, you pick, you know, the best one out of your Six that you drafted up, slap that on there. Make sure you spell your name, spell your name correctly, mm-hmm. and send it to your editor, mm-hmm. and you're done. Yeah. Uh, you can literally, you could literally knock it out. You know, outside of the game, you could literally knock it out. Probably about an hour, hour okay, and a half. okay. And then you know, how how much you get paid for that is between you and your editor. But mm-hmm. like, it's tough. Get it's tough breaking in. Yeah, you're actually you're actually almost better off. You're actually almost better off starting your own sports blog, okay, and doing it doing it on your own, and mm-hmm. then the your bread and butter is football and baseball, okay, because they usually don't overlap, right? And so you can cover football, and when football's done, you cover baseball. And if nothing's going on, or there's no home games, or you can't get to a game, find a drone race, <laughs> find a tennis match, yeah. find something, find. Uh-huh. I, I, they're playing Magic the Gathering. I'm going to cover the tournament. <laughs> like, find something. Okay. You know? Racing, yeah. boat racing, car racing, sure. whatever it is. Sure. Find something. That sounds cool. Yeah. It's it's great training. Mm-hmm. It's really great training for to break down social barriers as an interviewer. Mm-hmm. And in terms of writing, like, your speed will pick up. Your mm-hmm. accuracy picks up. Like, your attention to detail picks up. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. And because you have a sports background, yeah. it's going to be a cakewalk for you. Yeah. You're going to yeah. be able to sit down and crank out 350 words pretty easily. Because it does sound like less of an obligation than coaching. You know, coaching oh, is yeah. seven days a week. Yeah. And a ton of time in the classroom. Crazy. Oh, yeah. Well, and again, like, you start looking at the roster. This is what I would do. I would start looking at the roster for names that matched. Mm-hmm. I was like, 
siblings yeah cousins right right now you've got your special your special interest piece yeah we had, to, my little brother played they did those on us yeah you go to the coach and say hey is uh are so and so and so and so related oh yeah they're cousins or they're brothers or uh-huh. whatever hey uh would it be possible to get an interview like off to the side and mm-hmm. then okay yeah you schedule that with mm-hmm. school you get somebody who has a decent camera to okay put your jerseys on and right. you know cross your arms and stand back to back yeah there we go yeah for sure send that to your editor uh-huh. now you just went to now you just went the extra mile right yeah it's a good it's a good way to go and again if you've got the stand-up comedy writing background Mm-hmm. Writing's going to be easier. If you don't, it's a great way to start because mm-hmm. you're going to be able to write stuff on the fly mm-hmm. and you're going to pay attention to detail. It's it's good stuff, man. Mm-hmm. Like I wish I'd I know you typically ask about dumpster fires. Yeah, I do. Right? I do, yeah. Um my 20s. <laughs> Seriously, I wasted my 20s so much. I sat around, I played video games, read comic books. I had I had every opportunity to, you know, pursue acting, uh-huh. comedy, whatever. Uh-huh. Did none of it. Right. Now, I got a lot of great life experience. Mm-hmm. Got married, mm-hmm. had a career in law enforcement that mm-hmm. ended. Um, mm-hmm. You know, got to see some fucked up stuff in that. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, it all led me to a place where I can now do stand up, and Hell now yeah. I can I can podcast. Sure. All of that stuff lends to those things mm-hmm. and builds you up for the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, dude, I love it. I think we set the record. Um, yes, we absolutely have. This oh, is like really? a Rogan episode. Really? How long do you think it's been? Oh, geez. Two hours and 45 <laughs> minutes. Yeah. Nice. And, I, uh, it's, like I said, I will talk at length. <laughs> I, no, I no. I appreciate yeah. it. Absolutely. Um yeah. So yeah, I'm. What I'm, other questions of yours haven't I asked? Haven't I answered? Because God knows when you'll ask me back. Yeah, <laughs> best piece of advice you've ever received. Now you've given a lot of advice, uh, or you've through a conversation. Yeah, but what what's that one? Um, best advice: um, get out of the house. Uh, look, most of the, most advice that a comedian is going to give you about comedy. Mm-hmm is probably stitched on a pillow somewhere. It's right. very It doesn't have to be standard. comedy advice. It could be general. Right. It's very but it's very standard, very boilerplate stuff. Mm-hmm. Comedy comes from life experience. So mm-hmm. get out of the house. If someone says, "Hey, I'm headed to a museum. Can I ride? Can mm-hmm. I go go with?" Mm-hmm. or like, "Hey, you know, I have to drive to Ohio to help my grandmother move into a uh into an old folks home." Mm-hmm. Need a set of hands? mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Go do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get some life experience of just of anything. Right. Absolute. Jump out of a fucking plane. Yeah. Whatever it is. Uh-huh. But you can't talk about life if you haven't lived it. Sure. So, I mean, that's that's some comedy advice, but it's I mean, it also applies to other things. But like make the mo- and I like I said, boilerplate. I wasted my 20s mm-hmm. in terms of creative output uh, mm-hmm. and that's my own fault. That's that's kind of in the other question is regret. Yeah, you know? I wasted my 20s. Yeah. Um so, you know, again, it's, you know, almost almost cliched to say, but it's very true. Make the most of the time you have. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I just finished writing a script. I wrote that while I was on the job. Mm-hmm. Like any sort of downtime turn it into creative time. Mm-hmm. Like if you've got, 
you know, 10 minutes between calls, pull up that manuscript Mm -hmm. and, you know, write a couple more lines of dialogue, Mm -hmm. pull up that bit that you're working on, do Mm -hmm. it, pull up the, the file that you're currently editing for your next podcast episode, Mm -hmm. do a little bit of editing. Like I put a lot into my editing because I add like sound effects and music and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, If I wait to the last minute, I miss weekend time with my wife. Sure. So it behooves me to make the most of every minute I have. Sure. And I still struggle with that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's hard to cure lazy. Mm -hmm. Um, but you do it one step at a time Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, read a book, ask somebody a question, Mm -hmm. you know, you never know what might come of it. Mm -hmm. Hell, I wore all black to a, I wore all black to a uh, grocery store mm-hmm. with uh, the neck gaiter mm-hmm. masks. Um, so without realizing it, I was walking around dressed like a ninja. <laughs> I rounded the corner uh-huh. and came face to face with a, an Asian man. Yeah, yeah. We both looked at each other. We both thought of the ninja joke, uh-huh. but we also realized that whoever makes the ninja joke is racist. <laughs> yeah. So like two masters, we gave each other a polite, a polite nod and continued on our <laughs> way. <laughs> but you know, it's, you never know what, you know, mm-hmm. write it down, mm-hmm. fucking write it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever, whatever comes your way, just even if it's, that's what I use Twitter for. Mm-hmm. Twitter is great for joke writing. Mm-hmm. Especially those just, I have a nugget of an idea. Yeah. Okay. Throw it up on Twitter Mm -hmm. and work it on Twitter. Mm -hmm. You've got a limited amount of space. Part of what I see is the most difficult thing for writers is the editing process Mm -hmm. because we hold our words. There are words. I don't want to let them go. No, you need to cut this thing. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, you you need to rearrange it. Yeah. Concise. And, and Twitter is great for that because you're, you've only got a little bit of space. Mm -hmm. So you can learn how to refine a joke really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, That's helpful. I know Mark Norman does a lot of Twitter. Yeah. Working bits out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Work stuff out through mm-hmm. Twitter for sure. It's a great tool. Mm-hmm. It's a tool to use. It's mm-hmm. not the end all be all, but it's a great tool to use and it's fucking free. Mm-hmm. Like so much of this stuff you have to pay to use. There's right. comedy clubs that make you pay to play. I mm-hmm. hate that. Mm-hmm. It's service industry. Your people are making tips. I'm not. Right. Um, but yeah, like do as much as you can. The old joke that I tell everybody is just like, you know, are you successful in comedy? It's like, well, I've gotten a lot of free cheeseburgers and encouragement, mm-hmm. but that's about as much as you'll make doing comedy. Right, right. <laughs> in that first decade anyway, like unless mm-hmm. you start like really hitting the road and start mm-hmm. like really promoting yourself and promoting shows, is anybody going to, you know, throw you know, 50, 100, 200 bucks your way. Right. Like there's comics out there who have graciously let me sleep on their couch, mm-hmm. but they are, they are living gig to gig, mm-hmm. like sleeping on couches and in, and in closets, yep. you know, just mm-hmm. waiting for, okay, show starts at eight. Yep. Here we go. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's, that's yeah. Do as much as you can read as much as you can write as much as you can live as much as you can. Ask as many questions of as many people as you can. Be as mm-hmm. nice as you can mm-hmm. to everyone you can as much as you can. There's people who are not going to let you be nice to them. Right. Just move on to somebody else. Okay. Don't waste don't waste your time. 
There's people like that. There's people we know mm-hmm. like that. Sure. I don't <laughs> talk to them very much. Right, right. Just because I know, okay, we, we don't really mesh so well. So uh-huh. I'm going to go this way. So, uh, okay. We were at 245. Are we up over three? 251. Ah, 251. We're, we're 30 minutes into the uh, uh, radio room open mic. That was my oh. whole goal was to just talk long enough that you would miss the mic. I'm not missing it. I'm going. <laughs> Schulte will let me on late. Schulte will let you on for sure. For sure. No, it'll be good. But dude, before we go, like promote your stuff one more time. So uh, we talked about the two podcasts. Yes. And all your personal stuff. Okay. Uh, you can follow my Star Trek podcast at Computer Resume on all of the socials uh, where we cover all of Star Trek in chronological order. That's at Computer Resume on facebook twitter and instagram if you want to hear me and my friends talk about uh sci-fi and horror and action movies uh look at at cinema underscore shock on facebook twitter and instagram or go to cinemashock.net for all of our episodes uh my wife and i cover comic books uh every sunday while we eat brunch if that sounds like something you're into, check out Comic Book Club Brunch on Instagram. Uh, you can follow me at Mr. Todd A. Davis on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and D and D Beyond. Love it. And I want to do I want to say thank you too. Because Todd just gave me one of his t-shirts, which yeah. I, I love. And t-shirts prob- available always. I'm probably gonna rock it tonight. Please do. And I, I, I do want to make a t-shirt. In fact, I have one for our podcast. It's a prototype. Yeah. Um, but in the event I have like more, um I'll <laughs> absolutely give you one and all the guests yes, too. Yes, please. Absolutely. Um, it's just got the logo on the back, the hangman, and a little stand up mic right here. Very cool. So uh so yeah, man. Dude, thanks for coming on. It's been a blast. Thanks for having me. And dude. I'll ask this you again for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. All right, man. Have a good one, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.